gospel, light of the temple. Saw a swing, kill a lie from the ghetto. The hood messenger, let him know hell's close. Black burial, the devil in a black cloak. Yo, what is up? Welcome to the Street Gospel Podcast. I'm your host, Dave One. And this is episode number... Yo, Cam, what episode is this? Episode number 52. If you caught our last episode, it was with Brett Swain from Second Amendment Zone in Upland. Uh, we got to talk a little bit about some guns and some of the new laws and different things. So we know that every podcast is not going to be for everybody, you know, and that might not be your cup of tea, but I thought it was a good one because he was talking about, you know, our rights. He was talking about gun ownership and why it's important and, uh, you know, how the Second Amendment protects the First Amendment, all that good stuff. So uh, if you're interested in that, if you want to know a little bit about guns, gun ownership, and maybe you're not interested in it, but it, it definitely was something that you should listen to. But uh, we got a good uh, guest here today, man, and uh, we're, we're just going to get get to it. So I'd like to play a little bit of, you know, maybe a little bit of music. I mean, this guy right here, um, he's a husband. Well, first, he's a believer. A husband, a father, a soon-to-be grandfather, which is crazy because... We've known each other a very long time. He's a pastor, a good friend. He's he's very big on the whole Cleveland thing. And when I say Cleveland, he's probably one of the biggest Cleveland fans. Oh, he is the biggest Cleveland fan I know. But uh, I want to welcome to the show Adam Friedrich. Awesome. What's up, brother? What a great introduction. I the mean, fact that Cleveland made the introduction is... I mean, it's pretty epic right there. I I, I knew that's it's a, it, all those things I mentioned about you, you know, uh, being a pastor, believer, husband, father, soon to be grandfather, very important stuff in your life. But I know Cleveland's right there. Cleveland is right there. Yep. Well, I'm a why, huge fan. Okay. Why is Cleveland part of you? Or, 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 or why are you a big Cleveland fan? All my family is originally from Cleveland. So my dad raised me to, uh, to, cheer for and be an avid fan of the Browns, the Cleveland Indians, and Ohio State Buckeyes. So I've kept it that way my whole life. Now, for all you people out there that are listening to this, there is one team you left off of there because you're a diehard Laker fan too. I'm a Laker fan. Yes, I'm a Laker fan. I I, I was happy when the Cavaliers won in 2016. I was happy sure. for Cleveland because the they finally got – a championship, but uh, yeah, we weren't really into basketball back then, so yeah. What do you think about the new name, the Guardians? I'm not going to hold it against the team because I, I cheer for the, the city. So, you know, I just I just tend to call them the, the Cleveland baseball team, and, <laughs> and I try to ignore that because I because I really I really you know I love baseball and I I can't switch teams so. Yeah, the the whole name change thing was a difficult one for me, but you know, I said I basically just stayed with the team, with the city. Yep. I mean, I get it. I mean, Indians, Guardians, it's kind of in the same realm there. D i a n a n s. It's not like uh, the Washington Commanders or something. Like that. It's just totally different. Interesting about this whole name is that there is. Right outside Cleveland Stadium, most people don't recognize this, but they tried to keep the name 
synonymous with the city. And so they actually, right outside the stadium, are these two large statues that enter into the downtown area of Cleveland, and they're called the Traffic Guardians. And so you can, as you're driving to the stadium, you go right by them. You, you really don't pay attention to them. They're these like really massive-looking statues that are holding you know, semi-trucks and tractors and okay. cars. And so they basically took the name Guardian from that whole um, traffic guardians. So, I mean, at, at least it was okay. It's still part of the city. That's how in, I view in, it. in a way, right? I mean, yeah. it's part of the city. I mean, it wasn't. Uh, it's not that bad. I mean, it makes at least it makes sense. You're not just yeah. getting some random name, and then it's it's still part of the city somehow. I hate it. <laughs> I hate the fact they're not the Indians anymore. I still call them the Indians to this day. So I'm sure I'm most people do. Yeah. And then you got your Browns, which is uh, it's rough. It's pretty rough. I mean, it's it's okay. So I, it's been pretty rough for me since uh, 2002 because I'm a Raider fan. Okay, so we were kind of in the same boat there. Yep. Uh, I mean, we played not too long ago. You guys were in full force. We barely won that game. Yes. And yes. I told you we probably were gonna might lose because that's the, what the Raiders do. But it it's rough being a fan of a team that just can't get it together. I know the feeling. Well, yeah, but at least you have championships to your credit and and uh, playoff at, you know, appearances. Literally, I mean, the Browns are really good when I was young. That's why I became such a big fan. They were super good. Bernie Kosar, yeah. those those eighties, Clay Matthews, all those. They, they had some really really good great teams. guys, yeah, and great teams. And um, we but we just never could get past John Elway and the Denver Broncos. I thought we we should have been in the Super Bowl a few times. Didn't work out. And then we went through, um, the, the owner sold the team or, or moved the team to Baltimore. They became the Baltimore Ravens. And the very next year, with all of those Cleveland Browns players, they ended up winning the Super Bowl. They drafted Ray Lewis the year they left, and they won the Super Bowl the, year, the next year. And uh, that should have been the Browns. And, of course, we all know the story. They brought the Browns back, and they've been horrible ever since. And uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, that was kind of messed up, right? I mean, that was your guys' championship. That was your guys' team. Um, yeah. But it tells you a little something about Cleveland that they sued the owner for the naming rights, the colors. Um, and so they, he could take the team, but he couldn't take the name or the colors. That tells you something about the city of Cleveland and how important the teams are to the people. They take a lot of pride in it. That's I think that's what I identify with. That's why I'm a big Cleveland fan. Yeah, I'm not one of those guys that uh, change teams. Never, I, I can't. I just can't. It, it doesn't matter. It, it's frustrating. Sundays are, are bad. Are either it, it, There's no in between, right? They're either really like, you're really hyped. And, and, and especially if you get out of church, you come watch the game. It's one o'clock. You're excited. And then it can either be like a great evening, <laughs> for me anyways, or it's going to be a horrible evening, and you're just frustrated. But you still watch every game. You still watch I, every game. I, I, the Owen sixteen season, oh. I watched every single game, and that was the year after the one and fifteen season. So literally, you know, one and thirty one is what I had two years of. And so honestly, it's getting better for me. It's getting better. At least we're competitive, and uh, who knows what could happen in the next little while. I got faith every year that that maybe this is the year. Maybe this is the year, yeah. that, and that's the. Uh, I think that's the biggest thing. Like you, you're a fan for so many years, and then they, they, they finally get over the hump, maybe win the championship, and that's. I mean, if you're a lifetime fan, that, that's all you want. Just, just try to give me yeah, one, just one. 
I think we're spoiled because the Lakers have yep. won a lot, yep. and they're they're pretty much uh, supposed to win. And then when they don't win, it's a failure. Yep. You know, when our when our teams get to the playoffs, oh, it's a huge win. Totally. In totally. football. Yep. So, I finally got you here. I've been looking forward to this day for a long time. I, this is a little bit of a bucket list thing for me. So A bucket list? Yeah, yeah. I, wanted, I always wanted to be on the Street Gospel Podcast. Kind of similar to, you know, when I was a kid, I, I always wanted to be the gangster in the drama. You know <laughs> what I mean? And, and I never got selected for the role, you know? And so... I just figured, like, I don't know if I'll ever be able to make it on the Street Gospel Podcast. Wow. I'm looking at the different guests. And, and then you asked my wife on, and I was like, well, maybe there's a shot. I, there's a chance. I thought she was more gangster than you. That's <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> she is. <laughs> my wife's more gangster than me, for sure. I already know that, man. But, yeah, I, I was. So, I wanted to have you on. I wanted there to be a little bit of gap in between you and Carrie, you know, yeah. um, I, I didn't really plan it. I just didn't. I didn't know. I always do it off feeling. I don't do it off a gut. I do it off a gut feeling, basically. So if I feel like, yeah, this guy's gonna be good today. I, let's have this guy. And then you want to kind of line it up where it's a little bit different of everybody. You know, we had we had Brett here last time. He was talking about guns. Uh, before that, you know, Bobby, and then you know, Chingo Bling. It's just different people, yeah. and I think that's the the makeup of the of the podcast. Yeah. I think that's what makes it good. You know, it makes it special. Yeah, it's different stories, but all good stories. Yeah. And you're a a big supporter, listener of the podcast. I, I mean, you give me the. I mean, you you really listen because there's times when you tell me something like a point that somebody makes or something they say, and you're like, "Hey, I really like that." Yeah. And so I'm like, "Yeah, he really listens." Yeah, I I think a, a trick for everyone if you if you're out there listening on um on. On one of the streaming, if you're listening, you can speed up the podcast, which is what I do. Yeah. And the song at the beginning, <laughs> if you listen to the street gospel theme song at the beginning on on time and a half, it's amazing. It's amazing. It's told it takes the takes the podcast to a different level, in my opinion. It's like a like a rave. It, it's <laughs> it amazing. Speeds up everything. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. But I'll, I'm glad you came on. I, I think uh, so. We've been friends for a long time. Yep. I mean, I would say, what do you think? Teenage years. For sure, teenage years we knew each other. Right. I don't. I, w- I don't know if we were necessarily friends, but we knew yeah. each other. We and played basketball. Yeah. We were we were in, sometimes in the same realm. Yeah. yeah, we weren't like best friends, and but we knew a lot of the same people. Same people. Yeah. But I think we always were connected. Um, I think there was a time probably when when I was a little bit distant from everybody, and uh, it seemed like you always had like a way to. I don't know if it was on, planned. But you would always pull me back in to to do something or be a part of something. Yeah. Well, I just respected the the different um, elements that that and different contacts and the people that you knew and the you you were you were a little bit outside the box and I just kind of um, I respected that and wanted to to you know get that aspect into some of the things that we were doing. Yeah, yeah, because you you were doing a, a lot of youth events. Yep. With with your church with with elevate and, and um, which is great a lot of a lot of good stuff we can kind of even go back on that but uh, so you were kind of involving me hey can you can you help us out yep. be a creative do get these guys over here maybe do something can, what do you think and I was always like yeah for sure and a lot of those events were were fun they were fun you know the youth liked them we got artists out there we got just all kinds of different stuff bands DJs different things yeah, I think that's what 
I think that's what I love the most is just getting so many different types of people um, and so many different types of interests involved in one spot. And, and you brought a lot of that to the table and I appreciated that. So, yeah. Yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty fun. And I think it kept me connected. It kept me grounded. I think uh, I always had a lot of respect for you for, for, I think when most people are kind of like hands off with me for whatever reason, but you're always like, Hey, let's do it. Yep. You know, and kind of just see me for who I, I was. Yeah. That was cool. Well, I didn't, I didn't know any of that. I just, yeah, I just saw you and, and, and saw how you, what the things that you liked. And, um, I knew it would, it would relate to kids, young people, and at least a certain segment of it. And I wanted to make sure that we, we targeted all, all likes and all different types of things. And so, yeah, you, you really helped me connect with some of them, which, which I appreciated. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, it was some good times there. Yeah. And so your journey started, you weren't from here. You're from Kingman. Right? Yeah, I was born in Kingman, Arizona. Like, I mean, it's like happening there, right? It's so no, cool no. And, and just fun and right. No, Kingman, Arizona is <laughs> if you've ever, some of you probably have, Maybe you've been there, but you didn't even know it because it's literally just two exits off the 40 freeway, um, kind of close to Lake Havasu City. Uh, my parents moved there only because my mom went to college in Ohio University, and she went to college to be a teacher. And there was only two positions. Once she graduated, there was only two positions available to her. And uh, one was in Kingman, Arizona. My dad graduated at the same time with a business degree. And uh, so they, they decided, well, hey, we have at least a job in Kingman. So they packed up. They got married, packed up their belongings, drove cr- cross country, and landed. They had no idea what they were getting themselves into. They landed in this little tiny town of Kingman, Arizona. And uh, a couple years later, I came along. Yeah. Only child. Yep. Uh, living in Kingman. W- what was that like? I mean, I didn't know anything different. So I, I, I kind of liked it. I, cool. I liked it. I mean, there's, it's, a, it's a small town. Um, there's really nothing to do, so you have to figure out what to do. So, you know, we, we did all kinds of stuff, you know, rode motorcycles. We went to the lake a lot, you know, as a family. Um, you know, I, I, I took my bike everywhere. I pretended I was Superman. I You know, it, it's just a we found things to do. Yeah, for sure. There was no stores. You know, we ordered all my all my clothes came from catalog catalog shopping. That's crazy, yeah, yeah. Man. So we didn't have anything there. So now there's actually a Walmart in Kingman. So it's I guess it's on the map now. So you know, <laughs> decades later, basically, for sure. Finally, yeah. they get a, a literally, Walmart. Literally nothing there. Yeah, it's crazy. And you, your parents, uh, they weren't always believers, but the reason why they moved here was because they wanted to start a church, right? Yeah. Yeah, so in 1985, my dad had started, uh, excuse me, 1980, my dad had started several businesses in Kingman. He, he actually took his degree and just kind of hustled and opened up uh, a used car lot. And um, that became, you know, fairly successful quickly. And uh, then he bought a Ford dealership, a Volkswagen dealership. Um, he, he put a liquor store there in the town and then bought a nightclub. And so he was doing really good financially, and our, and our family was doing pretty good financially. But um, there, was, there was really nothing going on with our home life. My parents weren't, weren't doing well, married. Um, they were struggling. Um, I, I didn't really see my dad very much because he was just working all the time. And uh, so in 1980, he had an experience with God. He hired, he hired a guy to work for him who was, 
turned out to be a pastor in the community. He was just super radical, like really, really, really on fire for God. But my dad was kind of like a uh, kind of a who's who in the community. And, and this guy was, was, you know, just kind of crazy, but crazy for God. And my dad just watched his life and just, you know, started to really respect him. And, uh, that kind of led him on a journey, I think a search for what, what is, who is God? What, what is it? Because he'd gone to church his whole life, but didn't really have a relationship with the Lord. And uh, he had an amazing encounter with God, and that's a story in itself. But literally from that moment, from his encounter, it kind of led our family um, on a journey. Uh, my mom, you know, didn't really uh, follow in his footsteps right away, but my dad began to prove to her that he was changed, that he was different. And uh, eventually she gave her life to the, to the Lord, and they just began to serve God in this community. And, and just, just basically, I mean, God started to bless the businesses in, in a really tremendous way. They were totally blessed, but they were using their lives for more than that. So it wasn't all about money. It wasn't all about business. It wasn't all about that anymore. It, it became about people. And uh, my dad just kind of threw himself into the, into the community and then really felt like God was, was leading him towards starting a church and he developed kind of a real passion and a heart for Southern California. And, and so in 1985, just five years after he got, gave his heart to the Lord, um, he, he sold the businesses and, and with that money moved us to Southern California, moved to Buena Park, California, really, really close to Knott's Berry farm. And, uh, was that a shock for you? Coming from oh, Kingman, yeah, yeah. Well, because I, of course, I didn't even know what Southern California was. All, all, all I kept hearing was, "Hey, uh, Knott's Berry Farm is there," and so I had no idea what that was. Like, no one explained. There's, you know, it's kind of like Disneyland. They just said, "Oh, you're going to where Knott's Berry Farm is," and so I'm picturing an actual farm. Like, I have experience with that, <laughs> I, you know, because my family lives in Ohio on a farm. So when I'm thinking Knott's Berry Farm, I'm thinking actual farm. I'm thinking, why is that cool? You know, what's so good about that? But I remember coming to Southern California and just being like, whoa, this is crazy because there were so many people and different ethnicities and culture. Like I didn't I, 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 I never knew any of that. All I knew was a hick town, cowboys and, and Indians, legit, you know, and, and to move to Southern California was a real eye opener for me. And I was so glad that we moved here. I, I was like, wow, I love this place. Yeah, it's, that's a trip because a lot of people, especially young people, when they move somewhere, they, they hate it. They yeah. just want to be where they were at and be where they're from. But yeah. to move to something, especially something so different, you know, it's not like you're moving to another, you know, Bakersfield or something. You're moving yeah. to like no, my world, some action. My world got huge. Like it went from real small and, and real confined to all of a sudden all this different opportunity. Like, you know, all of a sudden there's surfers around me and skateboarders. And, and I, didn't, I didn't even know what a skateboard was. I never really even saw one. And so to move here and, and, and see the culture around it, um, it was a super eye-opener. I, I moved here. I mean, my, the bike I had would be super popular today because it was like a banana seat. I mean, not like a lowrider bike, but, <laughs> but it was a Schwinn. The OG a, Schwinn, o, yeah. O, OG. And uh, I remember the first day of school, um, you know, I was used to just kind of going everywhere on my bike because in Kingman, there's, it was, you know, it's not dangerous. Let's put it that way. So I'd go everywhere. So it was nothing for me to ride my bike to school. You know, and so I remember I was in fifth grade and I, I rode this black and yellow Schwinn, you know, banana seat bike, you know, with a little tire in the front, big tire in the back. To me, it was a sweet bike. And uh, but but when I rolled up, you know, I looked so different from everyone else. 
Um, I had this, you know, what I thought was good as far as dress was was concerned was, you know, I had catalog clothes. I had a, you know, I, I had a cowboy shirt with with pearl buttons down the down the center of it, <laughs> and an, an adult collar on on a fifth fifth grader, and oh. and I, it was my favorite shirt. So I, you know, that's kind of how I appeared coming in coming into you know, you know, with glasses, you know, big big glasses. Like too big for me, and I, I rolled into fifth grade, and I was a, it was a rude awakening for me. Was it bad? Oh yeah, oh yeah, it was bad. Like they, they, they these, I mean, just all of a sudden, I, I got hit with like bullies, like oh. legit bullies. They, they hid my bike. Like I, I, in Kingman, you don't lock up your bike. Like that's not a thing. You, you don't lock. Anything. So you didn't lock your bike when you came to school. No, no. So I didn't lock my bike. I stuck it in there, and came out. This is like you know first week of school, literally. And my bike was gone. Oh. And, so, and so I was like, you know, and, and then I noticed everybody's looking at me and laughing. And uh, it turns out they had taken my bike and they had thrown it into some bushes. And and uh, I remember, you know, coming home and just being so, like, hurt, you know. Yeah. You know, like, dang, you know. And uh, my, I told my dad what happened. I'm like, making fun of me, you know. And, and we're, here we are trying to start a church. Money, my dad didn't even have a job yet. And so my dad, I remember he... Uh, he said, hey, look, come on, let's go. And uh, so we drove down to uh, Buena Park, a bicycle shop, still there to this day on Beach Boulevard. I'll never forget it. And he's like, pick whatever bike you want. And uh, I was just started looking around. And, you know, back then it was like GT. Oh. The GT. Yeah, the man. Mach, Mach 3, I think it was, what it was. And I was like, that's the one I want. It's the, it, was the, it was the hanging up in the window. I was like, that's the bike I want. My dad's like, you know, he's looking at the price. And I <laughs> I didn't understand then, you know, yeah. I was just a fifth grader and he's like, oh, we're getting it for you. So he, he got it for me. And I remember the next day just cruising up with my lock. <laughs> yeah. Better have your lock now. Go, going to, going to school. And it's just, you know, all of a sudden, you know, I started to, to, you know, I think I started to adapt a little bit and, and my eyes were kind of opened and, I, and, and sometimes not in a good way, you know what I mean? Cause I started, I started, uh, you know, a little bit of who I was 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 kind of being taken from me a little bit you know i started compromising and, and mm. just even as a fifth grader you know i started trying to figure out well what do i have to do to fit in to fit in yeah. and for people to like me you know which i never even that didn't cross my mind in kingman you know? yeah you're in in kingman oh yeah but here yeah. it's just yeah, a, yeah. i think a lot of kids uh go through that even oh, yeah. even in the change of a school uh, from junior high to high school or yeah. elementary to junior high or whatever, they begin to compromise who they are and, yeah. and, and try to try to fit in. It's, it's, I think we all, I think we all have done that in, this, yeah. in, in some way or form. Yeah. It, it happened to me quick, you know, cause where I lived in La Mirada was a real, um, I think it's still kind of like that. It's a real, like there's a lot of youth culture there. So like in my neighborhood, it, you probably heard of the band Striper. Yeah, the, the Christian heavy metal band. Like yeah, back in the eighties, they Popular. were they were huge. Yeah, they were just they were huge as far as that kind of music. Well, they were in La Mirada, and uh, they had the garage painted black and yellow. And so we would go cruising down there and listen to them. You know, as they were practicing, they weren't even really much yet. You know? I never knew that. Yeah, and then uh, you know my next door neighbor was a, like a semi pro skateboarder, and. Um, his sister, she was older than I was, and he was way older than I was. But I mean, I, 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 I like looked up to this guy. Like, man, if I could somehow be like this guy. Well, his sister was older than I was, but she kind of took interest in trying to help me out a little bit. 
like so she gave me some of his like sponsored clothes i, I, I you know kind of told me like hey this is what you need to wear wow. these are the kind of shoes you need to get and so she started to kind of like help me figure out <laughs> like what, what what southern california is because it was it was a it was a new world to me yeah yeah that's crazy because uh I, I never knew that about you i i, I knew this story but i i didn't make sense of course now that you say that like you come here as you know fifth grader it's 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 a rough it's that rough age you know where you're trying to figure it out yep. you know and if you, you have a few friends you're, you're cool you can you can figure it out a little bit yep. but you have no friends and that fifth grade is the fifth sixth grade is a is make or break you man because it, sure. it can really send you either you know to find your way or it can send you the opposite way of yep. just you know kind of withdrawing from everybody and i'm outgoing yeah. So it wasn't. I would. It wasn't. It wasn't an option for me. I was gonna. I was gonna figure it out. And I'm. I'm an extreme, you know, nature. That's. That's kind of. I'll go all in. And so that's kind of what happened to me in that area. I just started. I started really just kind of going all in on skateboarding. Like there's a there's a park there, La Mirada Regional Park. And uh, back then in the wintertime, they would they would drain the pools and you know, skateboarding. Back then there wasn't like today. There's skate parks everywhere. Right. Different things. And uh, but hanging around with these guys, I was just following their following their footsteps, and we're we're cutting the gates and going into those pools and riding and getting chased out of there. And the exhilaration of that was was fun, you know, and and enticing in a lot of ways for me. And, and in this mix, your your dad and your mom are starting to tr- start a church. Yeah, how so, is that mixing? Oh man, it's super weird. It's super weird because. <laughs> You got to remember, we, we didn't have any people. So we're just starting the church from scratch. The, the, the first first service was just me, my mom, and my dad in this little, you know, little small, little 1,700 square foot storefront building. Like, like that, that, was, that was our first service. And so the, the, the office was our house. Jeez. And so when people called the church, they were, they were dialing our house. And so I remember our, our, our phone number no longer exists, so I can share it's seven one four six seven zero two seven four four. It was on every flyer, <laughs> but it was also our home number. And and so when when the phone would ring, my dad would answer it, praise the Lord. So so uh, my mom would answer it, praise Chapel, because that was the name of our church at the time. And so I'm, I mean, when 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 word got out that that's how my parents answered the phone. All of a sudden, my phone number started getting shared with everybody in the oh. school. And so, so literally every day, it was a race <laughs> to the phone. When the phone rang, man, I'm going there. I'm running as fast as I can just to say hello, you know. <laughs> so I was trying to to fit in with everyone else and still please my parents. You know, I have a great relationship with my parents even to this day. And so I wanted them to be proud of me. And so I was a, I was in a little bit of a of a, a challenging time because I was I was literally. Kind of, kind of two people. So I was one way at home and at church, and then, but no one knew that side of me when I went to school or hanging out in the neighborhood doing my thing. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, same thing with me. Pretty much, it was a uh, you know my parents were saved. My dad was really outspoken in our neighborhood, witness to everybody. Yeah. Everybody knew we went to church. So you know when they they anticipated i think you know if i if i did something wrong then it's like hey you go to church don't you or your your, yeah. your dad goes has bible study at the house invites the whole neighborhood and the whole neighborhood would come to the yeah. bible study so it would always be a little bit of a catch 22 sometimes like you want to do good and be good yeah. and for your parents for god 
but then you had your neighborhood friends. And I didn't want, like, I didn't want my friends to come to our church at the time. Like, cause I mean, it wasn't much. Yeah. You know what I mean? Your dad's a pastor. Yeah. yeah he's a pastor. What, where's your church at? And, and I was like, Oh man, like even to tell them is a little bit nerve wracking. Like, cause what if they show up? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, there's 10 people there and they're like, you know, gangsters and drug addicts. And that's, that's who came to our church at the time. It's a, it's, so. it's a, yeah, it must've been tough. Your, the church grew, right? Yeah. And, 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 and the, you guys have been in the building we're in now, just in case everybody don't know, I go to, this is my church. Yeah. This is my home church now. Uh, this is my pastor. Yeah. And, uh, so it's kind of cool. I, I, I think it's, it's, it's kind of weird, but it is kind of cool. We'll, we'll get yeah. into it a little bit more, yeah. but your dad, the church, your dad and mom, the church began to grow it and it kind of, it's a great thing now. And to be there from the beginning till now, it's gotta be uh Oh, it's awesome. A little crazy. Yeah. I, I mean, I know the whole story. And so I wasn't always all in, you know, at the beginning, I, I wasn't, I wasn't really saved. I didn't really have an experience with God when, when, my, when we started the church. No, no experience. No, I mean, I'd been to church. I'd prayed. I, I, I mean, I knew the stories, you know what I mean? I, I just like most kids that go to church, I was a church kid. So I, I, I knew, but I didn't have that encounter like my dad had at that moment. Like, so we're starting the church. And my parents are like, I mean, that's all, that's all they're doing. I mean, they're going for it. And they're amazing parents. They, 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 they were wonderful with me. But you can't force somebody to have a, an encounter with God. That, that, that happens. God does that. The yeah. Holy Spirit does that. And, and I hadn't had that yet. And so it, although I, I, was, I was happy what we were doing, I, I, always, you know, I was always, um, I tried to contribute. Like, I really did. I, I tried to help my dad. I tried. I, I, I helped set up the chairs. I helped vacuum the church. I, I went with them. I, I, I was the transparency guy. So back then, you know, the, the words to the songs were, were you put transparencies up on a, on a little projector and shoot them up on the wall. I, I did, that was my job. I learned to play the drums. Um, so I played, I played with our worship team. So I was doing stuff at church. So from kind of, but was it kind of to like, just please your parents? Just to, to make I mean, them happy. I think I liked doing it. It wasn't that I didn't enjoy doing it. I did enjoy doing it, but I, you know, I was doing it. Yeah, I was making them happy, but I, I kind you of liked, liked it. it too. You know, I, I, I liked being at church and stuff. The thing is, is it didn't translate outside of the church. So, so all of that stuff, it was just kind of a exercise that I was doing, but it wasn't a, like a, like like something passionate inside my heart that you know that was producing that. Right. Do you think? Uh, that happens to a lot of kids when their parents are, you know, maybe coming to come to God and, and get their life to God. And they, they have the best intentions. But I think a lot of the kids, not saying it's on purpose or anything, but they kind of get a little lost in the shuffle of, you know, like, this is what we do. And they don't have that encounter. I mean, the, the encounter is it's like a, a theme on our on the podcast here. You know, you, yeah. you've heard it. Yeah. When did you have that encounter of your own? Man. I mean, how long was it after your I parents mean, like, honestly, like gave their life to God? Yeah, so you know, I was in junior high and I was still living that that kind of double life, you know, and uh, you know, doing okay. But I I really started getting around the wrong group, and I was a leader naturally, so I was kind of leading the pack too. And so, um, you know, push came to shove. I ended up doing some dumb stuff like. In, <laughs> 
I mean, I, th- I think about it. It's, not, it's nothing compared to what happens in school today. But um, our chemistry teacher had a wig. And so, you know, one of my friends was like, hey, pull, pull her wig off. Oh, it was a female. I thought you were going to say a male. I thought it would be like a toupee. No, no, this no. no, no this is a female. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she was kind of a crazy teacher. I'll be honest. She was, she was pretty nuts. Like, she would, you know, she, if you were talking in class, she'd, she'd bust a, like a, a big yardstick on your desk and freak you out, you know. So she wasn't my favorite teacher anyways, and uh, I wasn't doing well in the class. And uh, so one of my friends was like, yeah, I, I dare you to pull her wig off. You know, and it took me a few days. You know, I was thinking about it, but I thought, man, I could go down in history for this one. <laughs> and and so I did. And this was, you know, I, I don't know what got into me that day, but I did. And I didn't, I, I'm, I'm from the, the era where if you did something and you were in trouble, they would pull this little cord on a little speaker box that was kind of above the chalkboard. And they would, that would basically dial the office. And, and so before she could even pull the cord and, and say what she was going to say, I was already making my way to the office. And um, I knew, man, I'm busted. Like, this is, why did I do that? So stupid. Like, it, 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 I'm, I just ratted myself. And, uh, of course, what happened was is all my teachers, the counselors, um, all got into a room with the principal, my parents, and I. And uh, they went around the room and they were just kind of assessing me as a as an individual. And literally, it was like negative, negative, negative. You know, Mrs. France, the lady I ripped her her wig off. She she was the last one to speak, and uh, she she looks at my mom and she says, "I have nightmares about your son." Oh, yeah. So I mean, this wasn't a good meeting at all. This is bad. Except for it got to the the PE teacher, Mr. Ag, and he goes, yeah, "I kind of like Adam." <laughs> so, so my PE teacher, well, we we were cool, but I remember we left that day, and I was like, "What is my dad going to do?" Because my dad was a disciplinarian. Like I didn't mess around. My dad, my dad didn't let me get away with much, and but I was also at an age where it, it's kind of hard to do that, that kind of discipline anymore. I'm kind of at an age where I, you know, I'm going to do my own thing, and so I'm thinking, "What's he going to do to me?" You know, what's, how's he going to, how's he going to respond? I remember we walked out the office and we're standing on the, the front of the school. Are, are you, are you making your stance now? You know, you know, kinda. Every, every kid kind of gets to that point. Yeah, but I was like, still afraid. Okay. Yeah. I, I was still, I was still totally scared. Yeah. Of, yeah, there's of, that, yeah. Yeah. I know that feeling. You, you, you have that feeling until yeah. your adulthood with your dad. You can be old yeah. and. I still had the fragile. knot in my, in my throat, you know. <laughs> but there is a time when you, when you're a young guy. Yeah. And you finally go. Well, I'm in trouble. It's he's gonna. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm gonna make my stance here, and it is what it is. You know, I think every boy has that in their life. Yeah, I, 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 I didn't know Cam, what was gonna happen. I don't know if happen. Cam had that, but I'm sure he has. Yeah, I'm sure he has too. I remember walking outside, not knowing what's he gonna do. Like, what's 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 gonna happen right now? And because I knew I was in trouble, but I had no idea. I was like, what's gonna happen? And my dad, he, I could see it, and he didn't know what to say. I had heard him. Like I, both my parents were were shocked and hurt. I think. I mean, your mom must have been going crazy as a teacher. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. my mom. Yeah, like, I'm sh- still, my mom was embarrassed. I'm sure. Yeah. To something. Both of them were. You know, they're they're leaders and pastors in the community, and their son is like, yeah, kind of screwing up. And my dad looks at me. This is you just picture this. He doesn't know what to do, man. And I know it. And he goes, he goes, all right. Now you got to remember, at this time, I'm like the typical surfer kid. Surfer skateboarder dude. I had 
Aquanet was the was the was the brand of choice, super hold. <laughs> and so I had like if you if you remember Saved by the Bell, Zach with the big wave yeah. haircut, that was me. You know, like I had a big wave haircut and uh, all surfed out totally. And um, my dad looked at me and he goes, "No more hairspray." He said, he said, collared shirts. You're going to wear collared shirts, no more hairspray. Whoa. And I was like, like, that's it, you know? That was it. Like, that was kind of it. We went home, and he couldn't, he didn't know what to say. Yeah. And there was really nothing being said. You know what I mean? It was, and it was a really weird feeling. Like, what the heck? You know, what's going to happen here? And uh, the next day, my dad, we had a, we had a two-story house, and he had, he had like a little... It was a loft that he used as his office. And he called me there and he goes, he goes, I'm doing a lot of thinking about, you know, what to do. I don't even know what to do. He goes, you know, I could punish you. He goes, but I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to punish you. I'm going to discipline you. And, and I, I was like, man, what does that mean? Like, what does that look like? Is this different? Is it worse? <laughs> Is it worse? And he goes, you know, what we're going to do, he goes, he goes, he goes, I'm your friend now. I'm the only friend you have. He, and remember, he, my dad's planting a church, in, and it's fairly young still. And so he was busy meeting with people, talking with people. And, he's, and he says, but now you're my only friend. I'm your only friend. So after school, you're coming here, and we're going to hang out. It's going to be you and me. That's what we're going to do. And, and uh, I was like, okay, you know, that's cool, I guess, you know. <laughs> I mean, that's, that sounds like doable at least. Yeah, is he, that it? And then he goes, and... He goes, what you're going to do is you're going to read three chapters in the Bible every single day, and you're going to write, you're going to write me a two-page report. Wait, how old were you? I, I was eighth grade. That's a struggle. Oh, man. One like, chapter. Now, now, that to me was like, that sounded like hell, honestly. <laughs> like, I'm going to read, I, I'm doing, I'm basically doing a full book report every single day on the Bible. And he was selecting it. And um, I didn't know how that was going to be. And. And so he started me off in the book of Joshua, and then we did Judges, we did Exodus. So we're like doing Old Testament stuff. That's where we're at. Yeah, not not the not the funnest books to read. Yeah, but here's the thing. What's crazy is I didn't I, originally. I hated it. Like like he he showed me how to use a concordance. He he showed showed me the treasury of scripture knowledge. And he's teaching me how to study because he says I'm not I'm not going to let you just. You're going to have to write like a real report. Like this is going to have to, I'm going to read it every day. And if it's not good enough, you're going to do it again. Wow. And there was many times that that was the case, especially at the beginning. No, I want you to think about that. What, what does that mean? And what was so crazy is that as I began to read, especially when I got into like Exodus and I got through Judges, I started reading through Judges, what I began to see was my life. Like all of a sudden the Bible, like it, it made sense to, to me as a person, like, Here's the children of Israel that they that God loved them so much, you know, and and they would they would commit like I'm gonna do this, I'm going for you. And there were so many times I went to the altar and I asked God to forgive me and I said the sinner's prayer, I did all that, but I just went back and I'd fall right back into the old patterns and do the same thing I'd always done. And and it was very disheartening, you know, for me because I I had good intentions and I felt like I had strong willpower, but I couldn't do it. And uh, I started to see myself in the in the than the people that God's people. I saw myself. I'm like, I'm one of them. That's who I am. Doing good, falling back. Yeah. yeah. Doing good, falling back. And nothing really changed. Like I was reading that and all of a sudden I saw, I saw myself though. You know what I mean? I saw myself, but I didn't really, that, that wasn't an encounter necessarily, but I felt like God was kind of reeling me in, you know, like he was, 
he was, and, I, and my reports were good. Like all of a sudden, I started like seeing things and pulling stuff out of scripture. And and we, me and my dad would chop it up and have like honestly deep conversations. We we'd be walking to the. I played a lot of basketball with my dad. We walked to the park and we would talk through some stuff and and it was like really cool. Like that was my my life was. I was getting a lot of clarity and I was kind of finding out who I was because I wasn't living myself. I was, I was somebody else, you know? And, uh, so we went to a conference and you probably were there, you know, it was at the Pico Rivera sports arena. It was in the summer. Yep. And, um, turns out the guy that was speaking that day ends up, he, he's my father-in-law today, which, you know, I had no knowledge. I, I didn't even really know his daughter at the time. I didn't even know Carrie except by in, in like in passing, but he was preaching that day, and um, I don't even—I can't even tell you necessarily what he was preaching about. All I knew is like the whole message. I just couldn't wait to get down on the on the bowl arena floor and 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 meet with God. Like I just felt like this like like intense like pulse beating. My heart felt like it was beating out of his chest, and that's how it felt. And um, when he he made a call, you know, and it was just a general call. I didn't care what the call was for. It didn't matter to me. I was going down there, and uh, which was strange for me because because all I cared about those conferences was donuts and playing baseball at the field. <laughs> like you remember those, right? Just having fun. Yeah, and and but I got down there and I went all the way to where the speakers were, all the way in the far left corner of the stage at the big subwoofer subwoofer speakers, and you know, and I, I got down on my on my knees and just I just had an encounter with God. I knew I felt the love of God. I felt. I felt the call of God in, in just a weird way because I was still real young, you know, just go, going into high school years, you know. And I, but I felt the call of God, like I God, wow. God had a plan for my life. I didn't know what that looked like, no, nothing like that. And uh, after after that that encounter, I remember going back to my seat. My dad was there, and I said, "Dad, my heart hurts. My heart mm. hurts." My dad's like, "Like, do, do you need to go to the, the hospital?" Like he was worried for me because my face was kind of flushed. And uh, I was like, no, no. And, and my dad just starts laughing. You know, he's like, that's, that's God right there. That's the call of God. God's touching you right now. And, and that was for me, you know, that was, that was it for me. Like my life changed from that point on. And the crazy thing is Dave, check this out. So I got basically kicked out of junior high. Like I, I was basically expelled, you know. I did my, the end of my eighth grade year, I did it, you know, homeschool. And, um, but but I graduated from high school, and voted by my peers as teacher's pet, <laughs> which is you know somewhat a, embarrassing. A, a crazy like I've been, turnaround. I've been, I've been I've been made I made fun of for that. But the reason I was the teacher's pet is because like literally I, I mean I basically I knew I was friends with a lot of it was, it was just an amazing turnaround. And yeah, for me. And when that yearbook came out, and I saw my picture right there with holding this big giant pencil. That's that's what it is, and and I, it was like God saying, "Man, that's a that's a different person, a total one eighty, and uh, yeah." So, did your friends that you grew up with trip out on the change or see the change? You Are know, they- I, funny, you know, because I went back to school, I missed everything. I missed I missed the eighth grade trip to Washington D.C. I missed everything. I missed the eighth grade graduation, all that. And so I just was absent from all that. So ninth grade, I had that encounter with God that summer. So I showed up to, to school. And, and what's crazy is even though I had that encounter with God, as soon as I showed up on that campus, I felt that initial pull. Like, yeah, I, I felt like, oh, man. And that first week, I was just waffling. And I, I didn't want that. 
And here's the thing about me. If I, if whatever I say, I'll do it. And I knew that about myself, that if I'll just say it, that I'll do it. And so not knowing any better, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a freshman in high school. And they had a place at our school called the Senior Quad. I didn't know it was a senior quad. All I know was an elevated spot. And so at the first break on the, the it was like, I think it was Thursday of the first week of, of back at school. The first 10-minute break, I just went, I, I don't know what, what got into me, but I walked up on the onto that, that senior quad, which, you know, you can get canned for that. And I just said, I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. I just yelled that from the top of my lungs. And then I just stepped down. All my friends heard it. Everyone saw it. And it set me free. I really mm. feel like that was what, I really feel like that was my salvation experience. Because I profess my love for God. Proclaimed it right yeah, there. Yeah, right there in front of everyone. And it did something inside of me. Like it solidified who I was. Right. And, and literally from that day forward. Yeah. That's crazy that you say that because I, I think uh, it's like the hardest thing to, to do sometimes. But yeah. then it, it, it ends up making it very easy later. Like you proclaim it. Like I remember telling friends, you know, like, hey, I'm I'm a I'm a believer. You know, I I go to church, I'm a Christian, my family's saved. And once there was a there was a change, you know, you would have some people to make fun and I was yeah. okay with that because yeah. I, I, I I can make fun of people and have a good <laughs> yeah. go back. So not too many people mess with me. But when you proclaim it, it kinda made it a little bit easier because you set the tone for yourself. And then the expectations for yourself, knowing that people are watching you, yeah. it kind of, you know, it gives you some accountability, I guess, to yourself and to God to really say, yeah. It gave me confidence. Mm. Yeah, I was accountable to myself, but it gave me confidence. Like, I did that. Yeah. I'm, I'm still here. And I, I ended up having, you know, I, I loved my high school years. Like, I enjoyed it. I, I, I lived for God my whole, my whole high school years, you know. And uh, I'm, I'm proud of that, honestly. Led a Bible club at my school. Saw, saw some of my friends get saved, brought some of them to church, you know, all that, you know, and I'm, I'm grateful for that. What, what do you think? Did you know early on that you were a leader? I think you're a great leader. I think you've always been a leader. You know, now you're leading a church. You know, you've led a, a long time with the youth. Uh, you're, you're telling them about leading in high school and everything. But what do you think or how do you think that developed? How, it, was it just inside of you since you were young or do you think it kind of developed over the years? Uh, I would say it's probably both. You know, I, yes, it, it's, leadership is something that you do develop, but you, know, you, you have to earn it. I think, you know, I, I, I didn't have, I wasn't afraid um, uh, of anything. Like when, when I was younger, when I started going down the wrong path, like I, I kind of lived that way. Like I'm, I was all in. In, in what I was doing, whether it would be sports, uh, whether it be skateboarding, whether, you know, whatever it was, I was pretty extreme. And because of that, naturally, I think people gravitated, you know, and uh, I've tried to just, I, I don't think I try to do, you know, I'm not trying to be a leader, right. but I think just by natural, like, you know, the way I do things. And I think that just causes people to say, you know, I'd like to try that too. And um, I like to pull people together. I like doing stuff with with a group, and so you know I'm not a loner. I don't like to, I don't like to be by myself, and so I like doing stuff with people, and uh, so yeah, I think that's kind of how it evolved. Yeah, I think uh, I think it is both. That's good. That's a good point. It's in you, and it could be. <laughs> I'm a leader, and sometimes I, I wish I wasn't a leader. Mm -hmm. I think it, you know sometimes it, it it can cause some frustration because you're trying to sure. lead, and you're wondering why other people. 
don't think the way you think. Yeah. And then it gets a little, it's, it gets a little tough, you know, but because it's in us, we want, we want, they're not going to do it. We'll do it. If, if you want to make it great. Okay. We're going to, we're going to, if I have to stay here all night, we're going to make it great. Right. But it, it's just, it's not that we want the glory or Mm-mm. the stuff. We just want to make sure that, Hey, I want to make sure that this is good. Like, well, life is better when you're doing it with people. Oh, sure. So yeah, you know, and, and life's better when you're doing, doing stuff that matters. And so I always try to try to, to lead people that way. But I had leadership skills even when I wasn't trying to lead people into good stuff. Yeah. I was just, I just wanted to, I just wanted to have fun. And, and naturally, you know, people would just, you know, gravitate that way, I think. So, um, y- so you grew up in the church. God starts using you in the church. You're leading youth in the church. You're, uh, you're like me, get married super young, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. <laughs> I, 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 uh, when you start living for God, all of a sudden, God opens up the world to you. That's really what happens. Like, all of a sudden, you know, I really felt a promise from God that if I served him, that he would use me. And I didn't know what that would look like. I had no, no clue what that would look like. But all of a sudden, my interests changed. Like, all of a sudden, I was super interested in missions. And I, I became interested in things that maybe normal, normal kids my age were, didn't really care about. Uh, I became interested in, in spreading the gospel. I, outreach, evangelism, it became something I wanted to do. And I remember um, my, my, uh, my dad had gone to this conference many times, and I was just intrigued. You know, this got me, actually got me in trouble, but I was, I was actually intrigued about uh, kids who were growing up on the mission field. And I remember there was, a, there was a particular couple that ended up getting planted from our group to the Philippines, and, and they had some kids, you know. And I, I just wanted to know, what's it like? Like, what's it like in the Philippines? And, you know, I had supported them um, financially as just a young kid because I, I, I thought, man, that's so cool, you know. And so I actually wrote a letter to, to the daughter of this guy. And uh, I never heard back. Like, never. I was like, oh, man, oh, well, whatever. And uh, the, the next time I saw them, they came, they came into town. The next time I saw them, the dad said, don't, don't be writing letters to my daughter. Oh, snap. I was like, okay. So <laughs> I said, I said, I had no intentions. You know, I, I really was genuinely interested, but that's really what happened with, with my wife, Carrie, my, my wife grew up overseas. So she was a, a missionary's daughter in the Philippines. I knew, I knew her from a distance, but I didn't know her that well, but I was intrigued by that. And, uh, so basically our relationship started like, Hey, I'd, I'd like to just write back and forth. You know, I, I, I'd like to write. And I was genuinely interested. I mean, she was beautiful. You know, I, I was attracted to her. But I was really more attracted to the idea of what, what she, the life she was living. And uh, so that began our journey. Like, we started writing back and forth. and she which, was which is crazy because the youth of today don't really understand that. No. Dude, like, like we didn't have. Cam, are you, are you about that life or no? Like, writing letters? Are you like the DM type? Are you somewhere in between? Cam's somewhere in between. Yeah. Cam will call a girl and be in his room talking to her on the phone, which is which is good yeah. compared to a lot of younger dudes nowadays. For sure. You know, all the guys slide in the DMs, easy out. Slant a text, easy out, right? Easy. But to write a letter, I wrote a lot of letters to Melissa. I lived in Southeast LA. She lived in Pomona. We writing letters. I still got them in the garage. Yeah. You know, and there's a little bit more heartfelt there's a little bit more meaning. There's, it takes time, right? Yeah. You're, it, it, you're, you're talking about a couple pages. 
you know, your, your handwriting might suck. You're trying to make it look nice, right? You have to, you know, and yeah. you, you have to physically get it, take it to the post office, put a stamp on it, and yeah. mail it off, right? It takes a little bit more effort. And then you don't get nothing back for, especially the in the thing. Philippines, right? It's, it ain't coming it, quick. It, it wasn't a twenty-five cent stamp, bro. We were, <laughs> we were sending it to the Philippines. It was, you know, this was this was a this right. was an investment, you know, right? But it was something cool about seeing a letter come come through, sure. and it's air mail, and it's got that special envelope, and you you realize this thing traveled across the ocean, you know, from the Philippine Islands to to me, you know. And I got to hear about their story and what they were doing. I just loved it. I honestly, I honestly, I looked forward to those letters. And those that really, I'm grateful for it because she was my girlfriend. But back then, like, you just needed the picture in the wallet. You know what I mean? And so when I was in high school, I needed the picture in the wallet. It helped me stay good. Right. You know what I mean? Because there was lots of opportunity for me in, in high school to, you know, to, to, to go down the wrong path. Like, for sure. I mean, I think everybody understands that. And but for me, it was easy because I had the, I had a picture in the wallet, and I was I was able to say, yeah, I, I'm I, I'm taken. You know, I have I have a picture in the wallet. But but I didn't have any physical uh, relationship at all. It was it was all friendship. And so we were writing back and forth. And I, I honestly thank God for that because yeah. Carrie and I got to know each other so intimately, and yet had no physical contact whatsoever. And I knew her so well. You know, before I ever hold, held her hand, I really, really knew her, and I think she knew me too, and um, that made our relationship all the more special. I think it was strong, very strong, before we, before we ever even like held. I'm, t- I'm talking held hands, you know. what I mean, so um, I, I really, I value that that time. And I, my parents and, and Carrie's parents would allow us to talk on the phone, you know, once a once a week, and so they would we would alternate phone calls. We we would talk for twenty minutes. You know, on Sunday nights, I look bucks. forward, man. Hey, after church, I, I couldn't wait to get home, and the phone would ring, and I knew it was her, and we talked for 20 minutes, and it was timed because, you know, it was like a $50 phone call. Yeah. And, and our parents invested in that. And, and we did. We were able to fax once in a while, too, but still, long-distance charge just even to send a fax. It's crazy. So, so yeah, now, the, yeah. the kids nowadays got it made. No, man, for FaceTime sure. <laughs> all the way to yeah. Philippines and halfway around the world, whatever. They, they just got it made. Yep. You know, I think, so you got married, you... You were twenty, I was twenty. Yeah, yeah I sure. got married when I was twenty-two. So we're we're right behind you guys. About a couple months, yeah. right? You just celebrated twenty-eight years. That's right. Crazy man, time flies. It's nuts. Wild, wild. I can't even hardly believe that. You, I hate even saying that, but man. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of weird getting. It's weird because I think I think we we think we're young, and then you you really say what year you were born, and then somebody asks you how old you are, and you can't believe like. We're our dad's age when, you know, we were young. Yeah. You know, and it's like, how? Or what What, what happened? There? I remember just recently I was filling out an application. And you know how they, they have the, the, the <laughs> yeah. asking for your birthday. And then, right. you know, October, you know, you're putting your, the day. And then you have to scroll to the year. Yeah. Have you have you tripped yeah, out on yeah. that? Like yeah. it's a it's a it's a dial, man. It's I a like, couple three. It's like three times you have to go yeah, down. Yeah. I'm like, whoa, that this is weird, you know. I like the, the other one, too, when you have to bubble in. Like your their your age bracket and it's like it's like forty eight to yeah, yeah, fifty four yeah, yeah, yeah. or something like you're that. Like, you're like second to last. Yeah, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah, this is the other one is like, you know, they, they make it the letters bigger because they can't see it. <laughs> but we're right there, and I was like, yeah, getting older. I mean, the cool thing is getting older with your, I mean, teenage love, right? Yeah. I I always 
I think uh, we always mention that there's something special about falling in love when you're teenagers and then growing older together. There's it's it's uh, everybody out there that has it knows it and how it feels. Yeah. It's it's like super special to have that teenage love and and then to to now go through it and your kids are grown and you you know you're enjoying life a little bit just yeah. the two of you uh something something great about that yeah yeah i knew she was the one like i knew it because we both felt like our lives would matter for god like we both felt a call of god on our lives and we felt like that, that we could we could we could do something together you know and and i saw her in my life and i think she saw me in hers and and so it didn't take me long. Like I graduated in uh, 1993. In in June of 1993, I was engaged. Three months later, in October, on my birthday, I, I proposed to Carrie. We got married nine months later in July. And so, literally, I got I I, I basically graduated from high school and got married. And uh, we started our journey. And I mean, it's it's been it's been crazy. It's been a great ride, man. It's been so much fun. And and uh, I know there's still more to come. Like our stories. It's, oh yeah, it's really just kind of getting started. You know, I really believe that. I th- I think uh, the great thing as friends and as we had this friendship closer in our adulthood, you you shared things with me, and I, I think even in hearing the stories today, you know, it's it's very easy to think that Adam Friedrich just had things made. Mm-hmm. And I think when I think when I talked to you when they were we were talking about being young and being married, and and trying to make ends meet. And I, I think even for me, I was kind of like, like, I don't have it pretty good, you know? And then you started sharing me like three jobs, trying to make it work yeah, yeah, and, and, and just hustling. And uh, even now, you know, I see you and even your dad are, are like the first ones to jump in there and do the work. And I think a lot of people don't really see that aspect, but I, I, I think the things were just handed down to you. I think your dad kind of had a way of... Uh, gradually you know working your way there it was kind of like very unique because it, it can go really south really quick yep. when when things are like handed to you but or you know or it can just be a hard labor thing and and then it just gets sour but i think with you guys it was like a a, a great uh transition and i think when i heard the story it made sense to me when you told me stories about you working three jobs and this is like me and you just talking as men right. you know and i'm not trying to put all your stuff out there but i thought to me that meant a lot to me because i see the hard work that you do at the church and then you tell me like yeah we struggled man i was it was crazy it was just i was trying to do everything print shirts do this do that and i was thinking like yeah that's why i like this guy because i struggled you know getting married young is 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 no joke you know and I, uh, i mean i remember i was almost afraid to tell my dad i wanted to get married I, I remember I, I, I try to talk you out of it. It was late at night, and uh, I'm, I'm mean, just thinking about this. I can't get it off my head, man. Like I want to get married, man. And I just I'm like I I know she's the one. Why wait? Right. Like what's the point? You know. And and I remember um, one night it was late at night. My parents are already in bed, and I just kind of like I kind of like you know, went into their room and I knelt down next to the bed, and I was like, Dad. I, I want to get married, man. I want to, I want to get married. And I kind of expected, half expected him to be like a little disappointed, like, nah, you're not ready. And I know he was thinking that. All right. I know he was thinking that because, you know, I've thought those same things about my own kids, you know, when they've told me things like that, but he didn't voice that. He, he, he just, 
listened to me and he's like, Hey man, whatever you, whatever you want to do. And, uh, then they kind of helped me, you know, kind of make a plan and go for it, you know, and, and supported it a hundred percent, which was, which was crazy for me. But I also knew that my dad, there was expectation there. Like, if this is something that you're going to do, my dad was a hard worker and he always taught me the value of hard work. And I learned that. I mean, my, even my grandpa, he would, he would take me out on the farm, his farm, 32 acre farm. And he would have me do small jobs there. And he'd say, Hey, you got to do a $5 job. You know, and, and at first I thought, you know, $5 means like I do a good job or, you know, I do the job and he gives me $5, you know? So that was the kind of my motivation was like, I'm going to get $5. I do this. And, uh, so, so one particular time he had me do something. I'm like, grandpa, that was, that was a $5 job, you know? And he's like, yeah, it was good. How do you feel about it? You know? And it, it all of a sudden I recognized, oh, it wasn't about the money. It's about the, it's about the, the fulfillment of actually doing something, mm. you know? And my dad was the same way. They just used different language, you know. And, but I knew if I if I get married, I'm gonna have to do this on my own. Like, and I had too much pride to to, to beg for help. I, my parents would have helped me. They they they've helped me over and over again my whole life. But this was something that I, it was my decision, and I was bound and determined to do it myself. And some some of that is is not great, you know, because I I you know make mistakes when you, when you sure when you think like that and you try to do it try to bullhead bull, bullhead your way through it but I, I i just like i'm gonna make we're gonna do this i'm gonna, I'm gonna be i'm gonna pay my rent i'm gonna pay my bills I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna provide for my wife and yeah it was hard man like it was it was difficult we didn't have a lot you know but we but we had each other we were married and you know there were difficult times even in that but but we loved we loved each other and we were on we were on a mission to, to do whatever God called us to do. And, and part of that was building a family, but part of that was doing, doing his ministry. And, uh, we started, we started getting after that and, and, uh, yeah, it was challenging, but man, it was fun. Like, and God always, always came through for me. You know, I mean, I told you about delivering pizza. Like I, I was yeah. short, I was short on my rent. Like, I mean, pay, rent was due and I, I was short. I didn't, I wasn't gonna be able to do it. I delivered pizzas. I got a hundred dollar tip that night. Like, and, and it was God. I, I I started realizing, man, God's promises are true. Like He takes care of His kids, and I I started to to, to trust God in even some of those scenarios. And man, God's always come through, hundred percent of the time. That doesn't take away the work part, but God always came through. I wanted to let you know that this podcast is brought to you by Elevate Ministries. Elevate Ministries is an authentic, passionate, and innovative church in the heart of Orange County, California. They strive to make their services welcoming and encouraging by intentionally engaging you in all senses to stimulate a spiritual hunger. If you're looking for a great church that's on a mission to change the world one person at a time, I encourage you to check them out at www.elevateministries.com and on Instagram at Elevate Ministries. Do, do you think like a, a, a lot of young guys forget about the work part? You know, they, they, they want to depend on... Well, I shouldn't say that, but they 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 want they think that they can just depend on God to fulfill every need, and it, it sounds wrong, right? But God wants us, you know, faith without works is is dead. You got to still put in some some work in that. And it seems like, you know, the younger culture doesn't always get that all the time. You know, like like it's it's very hard for them to see that. Like just just do the work, and 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 things will happen for you. You know, but if you're sitting back and you're just waiting for the work to come to you or waiting for the blessings to come. It's, it's very difficult to come. Yeah. I mean, 
it's hard to understand sometimes when you look at you know the culture and the and the shift that's taken place because this nation was built by hardworking men and and uh, the greatest generation. You look and you stand back and then you read the history of what, how how this nation was formed and the men that fought and you know, even even you know men like my dad who just built a business from the ground up and you, you start getting you know you, you recognize that's what it took to make America what it is and and the result of that was blessing. The nation was blessed. Our nation was so blessed because 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 men worked hard. It's just a it's a spiritual it's a biblical principle. It works it works in every scenario, saved unsaved. You know, I'm more, this is not just a church right. thing. This right. is this is just a principle, and God blesses and honors hard work. But the problem with when you're blessed, you, you start you start taking stuff for granted. And I think that's what's happened is that the result of the blessing has caused people just to chill out and like think that the, the hard work's not necessary anymore or maybe l- lost the value of hard work and, and what it does for you. And uh, I, I really hope that God uses our life somehow. Like people can see like, oh, these people, I love to work. I, I look forward to work. Um, right. I enjoy it. I enjoy accomplishing something. I, I love looking back at, at a job well done. And and there's value in that. It's not always just a monetary value. There's there's personal reward, some satisfaction. Absolutely. Yeah, I think I, that, I did something. Yeah, I, I did that. I had a part in that. I, I played a role in that. Whether that's the success of someone else's business, someone else's company, or your own, when you play a role in doing something successful, there's personal benefit for that. You know. I think we lost. That's that's a great point because I think we lost the personal benefit of those things. Just feeling good, getting accomplished. Now it's like. I can accomplish something, but I want to be, you know, I want somebody to see it on the, you know, yeah. on the social media or sure. I want somebody to pat me on the back. There used to be a, a satisfaction uh, uh, of just saying, look at that. I did that. Great. I feel good just to myself and, and having that feel, be enough. Now it's like, that's not enough anymore. It has to be more. It has to be likes or it has to be, you know, right. some sort of pat on the back, which kind of got away from that you know a little bit and it's there there is some satisfaction in just doing a good job sure. and, and feeling good about it yourself you know i think that's 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 the key you know just to try to bring that back so you were a youth pastor forever i mean that was that was your claim to fame i think for a long time yeah, I, I i think i was a youth pastor before there were youth pastors yeah, there was there was no such thing as that. Right, you you kind of created, especially in our era of youth, uh, that you kind of carved out a whole thing there that wasn't it wasn't like now, you know, where there's youth events everywhere and there's conferences and everything. You kind of carved that out. How did you develop that passion, bro? I don't. I mean, I I I, I don't know what happened. That was kind of weird, honestly. Because I was married, and is I'll, that what you wanted to do? Not necessarily. I didn't even have that in my mind. Um, Carrie and I got married and lived in this little apartment, and uh, we didn't really have youth ministry for our church. I mean, there was there was a little something going on, and you know, we we're having little Bible studies. I was a part of it because I was a young person, you know. what I mean, and uh, I would help out, like you know, I I was driving, so I would pick kids up and different things, and so I was really more just kind of a part of it. You know, Carrie and I weren't married, but we would go, we would support and that kind of stuff. But after we got, or 
right before we got married and, and, and right after, I just felt like, man, this, I'm supposed to do this. I remember getting into going into the office. This is kind of crazy, but I went into the office with our, you know, youth leader at the time, you know, and they're nice people, you know, just kind of doing like just the, the, the normal, ordinary youth stuff, you know. And there was a little leadership team of, of like young adults that were kind of watching after the young people. It was a little more of a babysitting service, really, you know. And um, I, I, I went into the office with my dad's there, you know, and uh, th- these people are there. And I, 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 the first time I ever said it, I just looked at all of them. I said, I'm supposed to be the youth leader here. And they just kind of looked at me like, are you kidding me? You know, like, <laughs> seriously? I'm like, no, I'm serious. I'm supposed to do this. This is, this is supposed to be. And so my dad just kind of like a little, probably a little, maybe even a little embarrassed. I don't know. I've never really even asked him about it. Like, what was, what, what did you think? You know, because I basically put him on the spot. And so of course he didn't just turn it over to me. You know what I mean? I, I just, he just said, well, if that's something that you want to do, you got to serve, you got to win, you got to win those kids. You got to, you got to just, and so that's what I did. I just began to serve, and it was weird because I was so passionate about young people. My wife was not all on board with me with this, but I, I literally, I wanted to be around young people. It was weird. All my high school friends have moved on, and I'm, I'm sitting there, I'm, I'm talking to, you know, 13-year-olds. It's weird for a 20-year-old to be doing this, you know, but I wanted them to go for God. I, I, I had a passion to see them turn their schools upside down. Like, I just... And just one thing turned, you know, kind of happened after another. And, and before long, I was leading the youth. And it wasn't, I don't think there was any special announcement made or nothing. It just happened. And um, so we were having kids over to our house in our, in our, you know, in our little tiny little humble living room. But we were having kids over, man. And, and it just, I would go, back then there was no seatbelt law. I had, a, I had a, a 1985 Toyota pickup truck with a camper shell on it. And hey, I, pick, I, I call I call these kids up every Friday. I'm coming to get you. You ready? You, I'm, I'm picking you up. You're coming. You're coming to Bible study tonight. And I would, yeah, it was a beige one. That's right. And uh, my my record is I had 22, 22 people in that truck, dude. I'm talking, insane. yeah, yeah, insane. Like, but all of a sudden, I'm talking. Kids were getting saved, and and we were starting to see, like, we would have Bible studies in the house, and we would have down 35, 40, 40 kids, you know, and they weren't like. They weren't kids of parents in our church. They were just kids from the from the school, from you know. And and before long, they're inviting me to their their clubs. They're inviting me to their to their games. And like literally, that became my life. I was just going around. Carrie and I both we were picking kids up, having Bible study, and just we started to see some really cool things happen. You know, honestly. And it was right about that time. My our church we needed office space, and a building opened up on our street, and we we ended up uh, leasing the building. And um, we only needed half of it. Like we, we built the offices out and we put some Sunday school rooms in one half. And so there was this big wall that separated the back half of the building. We didn't have the money to fix it up. And, uh, you know, we didn't have any use for it, really. And so I remember one day I was, I was walking back there with my dad in this, this big warehouse building. My dad says, what do you see? And he says, what do you see? And I'm like, oh, man, I see, I see, I see a youth center, you know. And I started just kind of dreaming. And so we ended up as a church started building this 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 thing out, and you know at first it was you know it was humble. Like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say it was like cutting edge. It wasn't it wasn't crazy. It was just but we started off with just some beanbag chairs. So we got a bunch of I remember going that was a big purchase for us. We got some Sirwin Vegas speakers, <laughs> and we got some beanbag chairs. And uh, I would go and every Friday night pick up all these kids. We bring them there and we have Bible studies and 
And um, actually, you know, we well, all we started having all these kids come and developing relationships. But I started to just kind of wing it. And uh, this is kind of what happened as far as what exploded, how it happened. I was winging it. Like, I didn't, I was working three jobs, man. I was just trying to, and so come Friday, I didn't have anything necessarily prepared, you know. So, you know, I'd bring my fruit snacks because I love fruit snacks. And, and if they answered things right, I'd throw out fruit snacks. And we made it as fun as possible. But there's one particular Friday I was like, man, we're not doing nothing. It's just, this is kind of becoming lame. It's the same thing every week. And so I asked the kids, what, what do you guys, what do you guys see? What do you see? And uh, all of a sudden, like, something just snapped in the, in the building. And all of a sudden, these kids began to dream. And so we're, there we are. We're sitting in the, all these beanbag chairs. And, and one of the kids says, I, I, we need, we need a, a van. You know, because we have all these kids like sardines in my truck every week. <laughs> we need a van. And, and they're all, yeah, yeah, we need a van. We need a van. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm like, oh, yeah. But we, somebody says, nah, we need a bus. We need we need a bus, man, because we, we need we're gonna have more people. We need we need a bus. I'm like, well, a van and a bus. All right, that's cool, you know. And someone says, oh, we want instruments. We want we want to play we want our own worship. You know, we, we want instruments. Uh, that's cool. And so, someone said, oh, well, we want to go on a missions trip. And so I mean, this is like, I mean, I just got married. This is like a year in, and and so I'm 21 years old. I got 40 teenagers sitting there, and they're <laughs> dreaming big, you know. And so this was a Friday. Saturday morning, I went to prayer, and I'm praying. You know, I'm thinking about all this stuff, and you know, this girl said that you know she wants to go on a missions trip, and I'm thinking, man, missions trip, I could, I could never do that. Like, take these kids. I've never, I, I've been on a mission trip, but I can't imagine leading a team. No, no way, my dad would let me do it, anyways. You know, I'm barely 21. I can't even rent a car. You know, and and uh, all of a sudden, the scripture hit me that Jesus, when he sent out his disciples, he sent them out like lambs among wolves. And it was like God saying, yeah, they're not prepared. They'll probably get eaten alive, but I'm going to use them. Mm. And all of a sudden, like, like all of a sudden, I got stirred up. Like, I, we could do this. That very day, that prayer meeting, there was a guy in our church. He's cleaning out his house. He said, hey, man, I got a bunch of, I got a bunch of musical equipment. I'm going to just get rid of. You guys want it? And it was a big, it was a bass amp, a guitar amp. And remember, that night, that night, these kids said all these things they wanted. We stood around these beanbag chairs, grabbed hands, and we prayed for every one of those things. We said, Lord, give us those instruments. Lord, give us a van. Give us a bus. We want to go on a missions trip. So they all prayed. They were like pumped. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. And so they're, on Saturday, I'm doubting. And God's like, no, nah, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send them out like lambs among wolves. They're going to get eaten alive, but I'm going to use them. And so all of a sudden, now this guy comes up and says, I got instruments. I got amps. And, and all of a sudden, I'm, I'm realizing, no, we just prayed for that last night. <laughs> and God's, God's already answering it. And so then I called everybody and I started telling them, guys, I already got a bass amp. I got a bass guitar. I got, I'm already, it already happened. I said, get on the, start going through the recycle, recycler and start calling everybody with a, with a 15 passenger van and ask them for it. Just ask them for the van. Like, and, 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 and let's see what happens. They all start doing it. We call this guy, we'll give you a tax write off for it, for your 15 passenger van. He goes, deal. So in two days, we've got instruments, we got the van. My dad is preaching up in Northern California. He calls me. He has no idea any of this stuff's happening. He calls me and goes, hey, they just offered me, they got an airport shuttle bus that they have no use for. And they, oh, they offered, wow. do, you, do, do, do you think you guys want it? I was like, oh my gosh, this is insane. And this is all happening in, in, in like, a couple of days. Yeah, just a couple of days. And so then I'm like, well, we got to go on a missions trip. And so that summer, 
we ended up going to Nicaragua and Honduras, our first trip. We took 20, I think it was 22 teenagers. Me, my wife, my pregnant wife, took 22 teenagers to Nicaragua and Honduras on a mission trip, which began a series of trips where we, we took young people for, I think, I think it was like 10 years straight. We went all over Europe. We went to Central America. We went to, we went to um, Eastern Europe. We, we went to the Philippines. Just in a couple of weeks, you're going to Ghana. Yeah, a couple of weeks. We're doing, still doing it, man. Still doing it. Still How many years it? later? Oh, man. 27? At least. Yeah, 27. Yeah. It's, and, cra- it's crazy. Yeah. And that, that that really is what began elevate elevate ministries because elevate was kind of our youth our logo. That's how that's how we developed it. But I mean, it, since that time, it's been one thing after another. You know, I could tell stories where I mean, this one kid came up to me. He's like, "Hey, man, well, I want to build a skate park, a skate ramp." You know, I said, "I, I want to build a skate ramp." And I'm like, "Here, you know, you want to? Yeah, I want to have a skate ramp." I said, "Well." And I was thinking, my dad's never going to allow that. It's an insurance hazard. That's there's no way that's going to happen. Because <laughs> my dad's real, the old businessman. He's, 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 yeah, he's up yeah. on all that stuff. I'm like, that's not going to happen. But I told him, just to kind of give him, like, you know, give him some time. I said, bring me some plans, and then we'll we'll work on it. That day, he comes back with like drawings of skateboard ramps, how to build them, the wood to buy, all that stuff. So then I had to go to my dad and I'm like, hey, you know, this guy, he really, you know, he really feels like he wants to do this skate ramp, you know, and I think it'd be cool, you know, skateboarding's starting to be kind of big, makes a great outreach tool. My dad's like, all right, let's do it. And so we went and bought the wood and uh, we put it in the youth center. So on Friday night, the kids come and it's just a stack of wood, you know, and I was like, hey guys, this is our skate park. And I said, we're going to pray over it tonight. So similar to the, what we did, you know, years before with all this other stuff. And so wait, wait, uh, when you're saying when you're are you now a believer in the sense of, OK, it's, it, God's given us all this stuff. Oh, dude, this skate park's going to happen. Listen, that that bus became like the, the I mean, that became an evangelistic tool. Like we had that bus was I don't know if you remember, but I mean, it was outfit. We had flame. We, we were yeah. called Youth of Flame at the time. We actually had a flamethrower shooting out flames out our tailpipe. <laughs> a guy in our church did that for us. So we would drive by people and just launch flames out of the back. It, it had a sound system in it. We could we could literally pull up anywhere and 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 do an outreach like live right there. It was it was it was. It was the envy of every church for sure. Hundred percent was amazing. So yeah, all I'm not listen. It wasn't just me believing. It was the kids. That was what was crazy. Is the kids were believing it. Like we can do anything. Right. We, like we've gone on mission trips now. Like there's nothing we can't do. And so there we are. And now we've grown. You know now there's probably 65 there. And so we got this stack of wood. And I'm like, let's pray over this wood. Let's pray over this wood. And so we got around that. Everybody's laying hands on this pile of wood. So just kind of picture that. It's crazy, you know. We're praying. We're praying. We're like, oh, God, skate park is going to be amazing, you know. And, and uh, so we, 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 we left that night. And um, we had now transitioned. We were doing services on Wednesdays. And uh, it was like our own church service. We had a worship team at the time, all that. So we prayed over this wood. Now, at the time, one of my jobs, because you know, I'm, I'm still a pastor on a pastor's salary, not making much. But I got offered a job to teach Bible at a Christian high school. So that's what I was doing. And so I'm on my way to school. It's 7 in the morning. I'm on my way to, to, to teach Bible at, at uh, Pacific Christian. And all of a sudden, my phone rings. And so I answer the phone. This guy named Mario Martinez. And uh, he said, he's, he's, you could tell he's like a gruff dude. And he's really kind of angry. He sounds angry. It's early in the morning. I'm like, but, yeah, this is Mario Martinez. And I said, okay. And he's like, yeah, I heard you're building a skate park, a skate ramp. I said, yeah, yeah, we're building a skate ramp because it's people like you ruining skateboarding. Uh, I was like, 
what the heck? How'd this guy even find out? I don't even know how this guy even <laughs> got my number. You know what I mean? And he goes, I want you to come to my office. And so I went to class. I taught Bible. And he was, he was um, a part of an organization called Lethal Skateboarding. It was a skateboarding company at the time. So I show up at his office, and he, and he, he throws down his photo, a photo album. And his photo album is just, oh, I'm just kind of going through the pages. Like, this is, this is pre-taking pictures with your phone, all right? This is like an actual pictures. I'm going through this photo album of all these crazy um, Vans skate park ramps, like from, from all of these festivals. Like, this guy is a, um, like he is the skate ramp, skate park builder. That's, what, that's all he does. And he's so passionate about it. He's like, you guys, you, you guys trying to you know, make these, these skate ramps, kids can't ride them, and you're destroying skateboarding. You're, you're, you're messing it all up. And I was like, well, yeah, but I can't, you know, we can't do this, you know. What, what, you know? And he's like, he's like, you get the wood, I'll build it for you. Wow. And we already had the wood. <laughs> you got to remember, we already had the wood. And so I was like, are you sure about that? I, I got wood, and I'll get whatever you need. And so what was crazy is he brought a whole crew. And on Super Bowl Sunday, while our whole church was in the in the, the building, you know, where the youth center was, we were all watching the Super Bowl. These guys went out there and they built us a professional skate ramp, like like a legit, unbelievably really cool skate skate ramp. It was unbelievable. unbelievable. Yeah. What favor? Man. What is the formula for that. Oh, I think it comes from God. Yeah, it, it comes from God, but you, you, it seems like, do you believe? Do you, are you praying? What, what is the formula for that? Obviously, yeah, from God, but it seems like this, you just line, it just lined up. Is it being faithful to him? Is it, I think, I think a lot of people want to ask that question because I think, how do I get that? You know, what do I have to do to, to, to get some favor? Or what do I have to do to to see these dreams come to pass? Yeah, well, I think a lot of people see that. I mean, we love to talk about the highlights. And these are all fun stories. All sure. Right? But, but there was a lot of work going on in, yeah, that's in what between I'm saying. all that. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're, this wasn't like all of a sudden we're just getting all this stuff dropped on us. Someone had to, someone had to, to, to believe in this kid that said, I want to build a skate ramp. Someone had to say, okay, go get the, go get the drawings. Right. And he, he did that. And so it was just small steps. Yeah, we see the end result. And we're like, whoa, man, God, God intervened and God helped us because we probably would have screwed it up trying to build that ramp ourselves. You know what I mean? Like we wouldn't have done it like that. Right. But, but we just had faith and God, God added to that. Like he met us there and all of a sudden like impossible stuff started happening. Like that, that is a, that's impossible. Like how, I don't even know. I still to this day, I have no idea. Mario, maybe you could tell me. You'll probably hear this sometime. <laughs> how did you get my number? It's just, it just, it's unbelievable. And, and what's crazy is that became a partnership with that skate company. They, they donated so many skate par- skateboards for kids and helped us sponsor events. During that time, Tony Hawk Pro Skater was like a really, it was, a, it was the thing. It was the game. Everybody's playing Tony Hawk Pro Skater. And Mario helped us line up um, Kareem Campbell, who was one of the skaters on the original game, to come to, to be at our first event. And so Just we had a skate, up. dude. It was, it was insane. Like, literally, a line of people. I, I don't know if you could even imagine how many people showed up that day. And um, we still have fruit in our church right now from that event that was probably you know close to 20 years ago, maybe maybe more. That's crazy, man. Yeah. Fast, so we fast forward to 
through all the youth years, how many years did you serve as the youth leader? It was hard for me to leave, man, like a lot, a long time. I left because my kids were almost teenagers. Did you did you stay too long in that role? No, I did Oh, you felt good about it? 20 years? Yeah, I, I felt good. Because I, I stayed I stayed I stayed attached. I stayed apart. I, I, I helped. I was an advisor. You know, I still I still <laughs> I love being around young people still to this day. Um, but it's crazy how God works because, you know, there were certain things that I, I've, I've done a lot of things for God in my life. Like I, I led worship for years. You know, I, I we did really, really cool stuff, traveled around doing that. And I swore that's I would do that for the rest of my life. I swore it. You know, I would never do anything other than that. But just one day I just knew, hey, it's time. Like, like God just took away that that need or that passion for it, you know. And not that I don't love worship, but it just took away. Same thing with the youth. Like, just, just took the place. Something else took the place of that. Yeah, I, I just, I didn't lose heart for it. I love it. I still love it to this day, but I felt like, okay, I can, I, I, I need to move. I need to move on. God's got something different, you know. Yeah. I think, uh, how difficult was it, the transition? Was there a game plan? Because, and I mean the transition from, your dad being, you know, the the lead pastor, and then kind of saying, "I'm going to take a senior role, and you're you're going to be the lead pastor now." Yeah, I think a lot of people think it was some kind of divine plan. But yeah, yeah, it, I mean, it, I, it was I, it was something that I think it is something that just kind of it, it happened naturally over yeah. time, and I think I always knew that eventually I think that will my dad would want that, and and so part of me was like, I don't want to do that, you know, like I I don't, I don't feel comfortable. You know, a lot of those, a lot of the people. That really, he, you felt that way? Like it wasn't. Well, I mean, you know, I was a, I was kind of a crazy youth pastor, and so yeah, that ruffled feathers in a, in the adult section of our church. Because you know now you're I mean? bringing the youth inside oh, the, the the main sanctuary. Oh right yeah, now. for sure. You know, I, that, that's that was. Yeah, that Did was you my, feel that like you weren't going? Would you feel like you weren't going to be accepted by like the, I was, the, the I, older crowd? I I don't think back then I wouldn't have been. No, but let's say how long has it been since you? transition to lead three four Again, years I'm, yeah probably maybe a little bit longer i mean i did mean you, did, what, we were I, th- I think it was just kind of like slow and where where you know, i've always viewed i've always viewed um working working at the church i've always served at my at the pleasure of my of of, of our pastor who happened to be my dad you know and i i i, I, lo- I loved doing that i love that I, I I wanted to set him up. I wanted him to look good. I wanted our church to, to be well represented. I I really cared about all that stuff. So the hardest part for me was was realizing that, that I, that's not my role anymore. And and uh, I mean, my dad and I had several conversations about this. You know, I'm like, it's really hard for me to make that switch because I've served at your pleasure for years. I've, I've, I've always served, yes, it's for God, but I've always honored you in that process. And want, I want, it, I, I want to say, I want you to look good. Yeah. I want to help you, you know? And so it's hard to, to, to take leadership and now, and now try to, to, you know, talk to my dad about the, the vision of the church or, or what we're going to do or who's going to preach this week or all those kind of just like normal decisions that I always deferred to him. And now he's looking to me. And that's weird. That's super weird. I remember talking to my dad about it one time. He's like, well, 
you know, I can go to a different church and I can take my gifts and, you know, my, my talents, my, my tithe, and I can just go to another church if that would be easier for wow. you. And I was like, whoa, 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 no, that's not what I want. And, I, <laughs> and that kind of opened my eyes, you know. And but but here's the thing. What's so amazing is that it's always been a team, and it still is. And we work closely together. And and uh, he's such a huge part of our church, you know, such a such a massive massive role. He's just kind of taken it behind the scenes more. And I think I think he enjoys that. I think probably there's some challenges for him in that too. You know, just like there was for me. But it's it's kind of exciting to see what God's doing. Honestly, what is the the philosophy or what is the game plan? What is the, the vision? It's kind of, those are all kind of buzzwords, but what is the vision for that, for, for elevate ministries? I mean, now, you know, you transition from your dad to you. Um, what is that vision? Is it, is it the same with maybe just some, some, some modifications here? Yeah. Yeah. The vision doesn't change. I think the vision, the vision was given to us by God, you know, and it's, it's not just for our church. I think it's, it really kind of resounds, you know, to, to any disciple or follower of Christ, you know, we're, we're, we're changing the world one person at a time. Jesus said, go in the world and make disciples. So we, we take that seriously. What, the last words of Jesus are going to be the forefront of our mind. That's how we, that's how we view it. And um, so that hasn't changed. What, what probably has changed is, is is I really felt like God told me, and, and this is the only he, this is the terminology that I got for it. He said, "Raise the ceiling, raise the ceiling, raise the ceiling in every area." So it, whether it be leadership or opportunities or, or 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 literally in every area of the church, you know, because there's certain if you if you if you if you're up against the ceiling, you've reached capacity. And I really felt like what God was saying is like, okay, let's let's open it up let's create more opportunity for more people for more involvement to allow people to come in you know that's kind of i think in what i'm trying to do and and it's not easy you know our church is is you know it's it's not a young church you know it's been around for a while but we're doing that i think we're doing that in a lot of different ways and um i'm excited about what that's going to look like five years from now even Right. I, I think that, you know, I, I I started going there. I've been there for a year. I've been somewhat around the people there, uh, know a lot of people there, have family that go there. I think the you know, I, I make a, I make the joke like I tell Melissa, like if if we stop coming to this church, it ain't going to be anything that the church or the pastors did. It'll be because we're did something stupid <laughs> it blew a relationship or you know and I, and I said because it's very unique in the form of um there's a great spirit there i was telling somebody the other day uh, a good friend of both of ours david hernandez i seen him and he's like man how's elevate and i said man i told him exactly what i said and i said there's just a great effort a team effort people really want to help you people really care people have great attitudes when they come to church i not used to that you know what I mean only said like attitudes or you got to beg people to help you and and so and he's like so people there are really saved <laughs> I said <laughs> yeah. yeah I started laughing but how do you develop that culture I know it's over time for sure but how do you develop that culture of you know 
one of the values in the church is together together yeah. and it, and it's it's not just something that's on the web page it's something that's really like if you show up like we're all in this together what do you need i was kind of like blown away like like when you used me for the conference right and how many people were like what do you need you know uh-huh. uh, we're going to do this. We're going to get the, you know, you're like, we're going to get some desk up there. We're going to make the podcast look like the podcast up on stage. Right. You know, oh, the cameras, are, we're not going to have them, but we're going to get you some other cameras. And they're like 10 times better cameras, you know, like everything was all these working parts where I was kind of like, even Melissa, were like, we're like, like, I, like embarrassed. Like, I'm not used to this, you know, in a good way, right. like, like in a, in a good way of like, I'm in, like, I'm embarrassed because I have all these people like. You need me to carry that for you? What do you need, Dave? And I'm like, oh, wait, yeah. this is unreal. Yeah. But how do you develop that culture? I, I think it's, I mean, that's something that takes time. You know, you said, you said, I know it takes time, but I mean, I don't think there's any way to replace that. But I think it's really starts with our churches always try to put, put the best foot forward and do things with excellence. And, and that takes work. That takes effort. And that takes thought and creativity and stra- strategizing. And so when you come in, you know, we're not asking you to come and do something that we haven't thought about first, that we haven't cre- thought, you know, been creative about too. And so, yeah, we want to help you, but we also want, we, we also have a certain standard that we want to maintain. And, and so that, those things are talked about, they're dreamt about, and it's not always perfect. It doesn't always work out like that, but, but that's something that we are very intentional about. And we have a whole, you know, statement about what we expect our services to be like. We want them to be unpredictable. We, we want them to be welcoming. We want them to be encouraging. We, we, we want people to, to have certain things that, that they feel, that they sense when they come to our church. And so we're very in, intentional. We're not perfect at it, all right? It's a group of people, and there's no perfect church. You're never going to find it. But... We do work hard at it. We try. We, we give it honest effort every time. And, and, and we've never stopped doing that. And I think, I think excellence is important. And anytime you're doing something for God, I think you should do it with all of your heart. And so that's, that's one of the things that we say. And, and I think the other thing that you notice is that our church is value-driven. We, 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 have, we have core values that we, we live by. And so Everything that we do in our church, we do it according to those values. And so the first value is Jesus is front and center. And so when you come to our church, it's not built on a person. We're not advertising a person's name. We're not, we're not promoting certain people. That's not what it's about. We, we're there to lift up Christ. We make him number one. God's word's our blueprint. And so we're talking about God's word. And so everything we do is based around God's word. We're not, we're not talking about our own opinions, what we think. That's not what we, we, we try to... We try to base everything on God's word, and, and we're together together. So just those three are so important. We believe that, that God placed us in, in, a, in a body, in a, in a group of people, and, and not just to sit in the same building, but, but to participate in life together, that we're, that we're together together. We're not just in a room. We're not just fans cheering for the same team. That's not we're We're actually we're, we're there together, and we're, we're in the game. We're playing together. We're, we're, we're competing together. And so I think that's one of the things you, you've probably felt and noticed at our church, and we're proud of that, and we're going to get better at it. <laughs> we're, gonna, we're, we're not done. And I really feel like the, the best is ahead for our church, and we're glad you're here. I think you fit in so well with our culture, you know. And I knew that right away. I, you know, when I think about you, 
what what I remember is, you know, Carrie and I went through in 2019, went through, Carrie you know, was diagnosed with breast cancer, and we went through, it was a, it was a crazy battle, like, I was hard, I was hard, you know, and, um, and it was, it was, it was, it was very difficult, you know, and, and at first, when you go through things like that, everybody's there praying for you, talking to you and everything, but that wanes off pretty quick, and you're there fighting, you're there fighting, you know, and at that time, we don't talk much, we didn't see each other, anything, and, uh, I remember you you, uh, you you sent you sent us money, man. Like you sent you said, hey, go, Carrie Carrie um, was cancer free, and and uh, one of the first people that reached out was you, which I thought was strange, you know. And you sent us go on a date, man, celebrate. And I just thought, wow, that's cool. I I just felt like man, like I think those times you you like you said you didn't know, but the times you reached out to me, there was a time when you reached out and you were you were doing. You know the conference and you know the youth conference in not Arizona in Palm Springs, uh-huh. right? And you were like, you hit me up and you, hey, why don't you come out, man, and uh, and be a part of this? You know, just show up. And I had I had my brand and save your brand, and I'm out there. And I I I, I was really bitter at that time. Like I I left. You know, I moved far away from from where I grew up and. Uh, I was tired, you know, I was just like, man, like nothing seemed to work out. I was a little confused on what to do for God. And I was just like, man, I'm, I'm just, I'm just done. You know, I'm just done. And, and I was probably gone. And this is like pre, um, pre, uh, you know, internet days, really. This is like maybe the early stages. Yeah. And you called me out there and, and uh, I went and I hadn't seen a lot of people in a long time, you know, and uh, when I showed up. Like I remember going, and I remember being like, "Man, that was that was cool." And I I remember being like, I remember telling myself like, people actually cared, you know, they 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 were they they actually missed seeing me, you know, in certain things, and uh, and then I remember you asked me again, and then I was like, blown away because one one time you asked me to speak, and it was a morning session, and I was like, why, like why, like what what he's asking me to speak, and I. I, I, I would be a little bit intimidated because you would have great speakers and then I would I'd be in the middle and it's like and I and I could sense like a lot of people being like, Oh, what is he doing here? Like what you know, and I would just go for it. You know, I just preach from my heart and just speak and then you started using me in other aspects. Hey, can you can you set, can you run these events? Can you do this? Can you run this part of it? And kind of just let so I think when like I was grateful for that because I don't know where like I don't really talk about this, Melissa knows, but I don't know where I would have landed or ended up if there wasn't like some sort of uh, reaching out. And I don't like you said you didn't know you were doing that, but yeah. at the time that meant like a lot to me. You know, it, it was just like, yeah, man. And and then when you went through that, I was like, with with Carrie and cancer and stuff, and uh, I was like, man, I, that that's rough. You know, and I, I always. Even though we were kind of apart, I felt like we had a lot of things that were lined up the same. You know, yeah. we got married very young, yeah, yeah. a couple months apart. You know, we grew up in church. We weren't we weren't like the 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 most clean cut kids. We had, we were just kids and like to have fun and we messed around, but we were always around church still and seeing each other. So I always felt like there was you know a little bit of a connection there. But yeah, man, when you when you guys went to that, I just felt like and this guy helped me during a time when I was like struggling and just was my friend like and and i think 
from that time, you know, even just send a little bit of money for, you know, and say, hey, you know, I think uh, we've gotten closer and definitely. Yeah. And then I never felt pressure from you to like come to my church. You know, it was never like that. I would talk to you about other churches and be like, I'm going here. I'm going to go visit. What do you think? And you just give me your opinion on stuff and just, yeah, man, you know, try it out, man. Give it a shot. And I'd be like, okay. So I felt like it was like I needed, I have a lot of, I have a lot of friends, but I needed somebody like, like, like a, like almost like a peer. You know what I mean? Like I, I don't, I look at you different now cause you're my pastor, but I, I think it was like a peer thing where it's like, we have adult children and you know, we got married young. We've been in the church. And then when you, when I would, I just felt like, respect there too but i felt like there was something there that i can glean from you or, and it, you're you you had my best interest at heart yeah. and i didn't have that all the well, time i never thought you'd end up at our church so <laughs> that wasn't even a thought on mine and i'm you know i'm grateful i'm grateful i think it's awesome you know, i'm glad we're here yeah it's been it's been great and you guys have been like a big part of the podcast i mean support the podcast um if you saw the ad in the, in the youtube that's that's this guy right here you know he's he's the guy standing there with the microphone but I, I think, um, and that was another thing. I never, I never expected that. I was just happy you listened and you told me like, I love it. Yeah. And then when you told me you guys wanted to support it, I thought, man, that was great. And, and it was just, and it, it was like, not even, uh, it wasn't like, Hey, we put up an ad and we want, we'll support you. if We put the ad on. It was just like, I don't care about that. I just believe in you. And I think that's the key. I think when people go to the church, I think there's something that you have carry your mom which is great and, and and your dad which they 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 just believe in you and i think the people that are there the key leaders that are there that they're just like you can feel like hey man you can do it and a guy like me that's not really used to that type of culture like first you're looking at them like okay like bryn <laughs> like i love bryn now but bryn is just like excited and that's who he is oh yeah so coming from like where i come from it's like yeah, that's what's wrong with this guy. This guy, this guy's kind of something. Something's different. This something's weird about this guy. No, it's genuine. It's it's sure. it's crazy. It's authentic, and yeah. I think it kind of like it bled into me and my wife even more to to really you know like yeah, this is good, man. We 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 needed it. It came like at a good time where we needed like that little boost and and people that are just same mission, same vision, um, you know, same attitude, which. You know, everybody there is just, it's its from Pete, who, who cleans up the church, to Joey and to Brynn, to yourself, to your mom and dad. I mean, it's just an attitude of like, hey, man, we just we just want to see you succeed. You yep. know, we just want to see you get to where God wants you to go. Yep. 100%. Crazy, man. Yeah. I think um, it's a great church, and not just because I go there. And I think... Uh, you set a great example to, for a lot of guys. Um, it's a, it's a, you're a working man's pastor, I think. And I think for me, a working guy, a hardworking guy that's struggled in early years. When I see that, that's, I, I gravitate to that. Yeah. Cause a lot of pastor will just get handed down and it's like the mantles passed down. I understand that whole portion, but to really work and put in the work for a working guy, it's, it goes a long way. Yeah. I think uh, probably your grandpa. 100%. 100 years old? Yep, 100 years old. Can you believe that? 100 years old. It's insane. Yeah. But I appreciate it, man. Yeah. Uh, welcome aboard, man. Seriously. 
I, I, I love it there. I mean, we're, we're trying to recruit Cam, you know what I mean, over there, you know, little by little. You know, you don't have to recruit him. I'm his dad. I'll recruit him. We'll, we'll bring Cam and his skills over there. Joey's already, tr Pastor Joey's already trying to, Pastor Joe. Sorry, I call him Joey. Trying to recruit him, but uh, it's it's a great it's a great place. Let me ask you this: You, um, there's a lot of churches that are woke nowadays. I knew we were going here. We we have to. Okay. Okay. And and the, and the re and, and I'm not saying there's a way our church goes about it, and 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 I think it's uh, it's in a loving way. It's kind of like in a parent way where it's like hey listen this is what we believe right and 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 we love you but but this is what we ha what we have to stand for yep. and, and and in this day and age it's very hard for people to um take a stand and it's hard for churches to take a stand it's hard for leaders to take a stand you you let's be honest i mean you're on a payroll there and a lot of people will let that affect how they preach, you know, that, that, well, I don't want to lose people because if we start preaching this way, then we might lose some people. It's, it's just, I know you'll never say that, but it's a fact. Right. But I think there's something about preaching the truth always benefits the church. And you, and initially you, you might lose a few people, but when you speak the truth, it, the, the core that you have there ends up being like a, like hardcore, you know, like, like they're, yeah. like they're, tough and, and and it's a solid core how do you balance i mean it was a all that yeah all that happened and you know we can go back because it, it was fast it was quick it, it was, was within a couple years that we yeah. it, it just it went from like hey praise the lord everybody come on and we love you to like whoa we we, we really gotta speak the truth here yeah it was for for me eye-opening because there were there were people that i were mentors to me that, that i looked up to that that were going a different route. I mean, guys I listened to and, and uh, you know, that I, I, I got advice from and, you know, all that. And, and then to see, see them take what I felt was, uh, um, well, it wasn't a strong stand in, in as far as biblical. It was hard. It was super hard for me. And it caused me to question myself. Like, man, am I, am I off? Is something wrong here? I mean, I remember thinking, you know, like, you know, it, am I, am I, is this too radical? You know, am I, and, and I, I just began to think about what was being spoken and then what God's word said. And I saw, I saw so many, um, it, it didn't line up and I'm, I'm like, wait a second. I'm God's word is our blueprint. That's our value. And so what God says is what we're going with hundred percent of the time. And yet our interpretation could get off sometimes and we recognize that. So we, we question ourselves, we talk among, we, 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 we try our best to make sure, hey, are we doing this right? Are we saying this right? Are we, is this? But what God's word says is pretty clear most times. And so if you'll just, if you'll, if you'll read it in context, you'll, you'll recognize that this, the battles that were happening in biblical days haven't changed. Mm. Same devil, same devil, different era. All right, different. Maybe it looks a little different. It's the same fight. It's the same fight, and and you'll recognize quick. There was a lot of things that happened in the New Testament church that, yeah, it's a different era, different generation, but it's the same battle. It's the same fight, and you recognize 
the enemy's t- number one tactic is to lie. He's the father of lies, right? He's there to deceive. And he's he's good at it. He's been very successful down through the ages of deceiving mankind, period. And so if he's done it over and over and over again all throughout scripture, we we can't think that he's not about doing that today. And and um I felt like a lot of the church and a lot of leaders in the church got, got just deceived. Honestly, that's how I, that's how I felt. And it and doesn't make them bad people. It doesn't make them awful. That nothing. But I think they fell for it. And it's easy now to say, "Oh, see," because all those lies are getting exposed now. I mean, right. I think everybody's noticing it. You know, you you, you just watch the news tonight, and you're, you'll see lies just getting dropped. I mean. And, and so stuff that people were fighting so hard for today, they're not talking about because it's been debunked, right? It's, it's, it's a, it's a foregone conclusion. It's over. Right. So it's easy to, and I don't want to do that. It's easy to say, yeah, man, I see. So that's not what this is. What this is, is just, I think we should all recognize that God's word is true. If he said it, if it's if it's if it's it's written there for us, it's it's a blueprint for us, and so if we'll just use His Word to, to to as a blueprint for our lives, regardless of what the fight is, what the lie is, it'll get exposed. And so whether it was whether it was politics or whether it was race relations or whether it was a pandemic and what do we do and all those things, I really believe all that stuff is right there in God's Word. It's clear, plain as day. And so, yeah, we upset some people by exposing the current culture lie with or the narrative when we when we when we exposed it with the truth of God's word yeah it ruffled feathers and there was yeah there was people that left our church there's people that were you know slamming us on social media and saying all kinds of stuff and people mad at me and all that and um honestly I wasn't ever really afraid of what you were discussing like the the paycheck thing cuz I felt confident I really did, man. I felt like no, no, this, this is, is what God this wants. This is what to God do. wants. Yeah. And I, honestly, the the more I looked for clarity, the more God gave it to me. I felt clear in in in, in what I was saying and what I was preaching. God was giving me messages that were bold. It was it was definitely bold. But I think in times of turmoil, what people need is bold leadership. And people yeah. to say, "Hey, let's go. This is the way. Follow me. Let's go." I think that that's what people want in general. Yeah. You know, in, in the church, in, in just a clear cut, like, you know, hey, the truth. Just tell us the truth. Yeah. If it hurts, it hurts. If it stings, it stings. But, but we, we don't want the fluff. I mean, it, it, it's better at the end of the day if you tell me something that I'm not going to like and then I understand and I change than to fluff it out and then I'm just wavering in the wind. I, I, I mean, just the, when you're talking about fluff, what helped us was Carrie's cancer battle, because there's no fluff there. No. Like you're, you're, it's skin and bones. Like you're, you have to fight, and yeah, there was times in that where I was like, God, why is this happening? I don't understand. Like, what do we do? <laughs> like, all we've done is serve you. We've lived clean. Like, there's, I, I don't get this, and and but that fight prepared us because that happened in 2019, 2020 comes around, and we've been fighting for a year, so it wasn't anything. Not new to us. I wasn't afraid to fight. At that yeah, point. at that point, you, you you're dealing with your wife battling cancer, extreme, and now it's like, well, <laughs> everything after that is not really yeah. a, a, a fight compared to what we went through, right? Yeah. 
So I know it was perfect. God allowed us to go through that to prepare us for what was next so that we would be stronger um, and to, to help our people and lead, lead, lead people. How hard was it to, for you to fight during, during Carrie's cancer battle? Because men, <laughs> men have a, uh, a tough side, a prideful side where they can't show emotions. I would assume, I know you're a man's man. I would assume that you did not want to show any emotional part because you got to be strong for your wife. Well, I'm an emotional person, though. I mean, I like chick flicks. Like, like I cry in every movie. Like, that's just. <laughs> I just said you're a man's man. You, you're allowed one. You're allowed one chick thing, not two. All right. So I, I, always, I make that clear. Like every every man is allowed one chick thing. All right. So mine is I like chick flicks. What, man, is, so. what is mine? Yeah. You like well, ca- candles or something. Candles. <laughs> you have one. Manicures. There, manicures one. You have one. Every man has one. All right. You just can't have two. <laughs> That's a good one. I so, like that. So, anyways, yeah, I, I, um, yeah, I was emotional during all that, but I tried to, but I tried to, to, to lead my family too with strength. And so, yeah, there was times when I struggled. I mean, I, I was times I sat there and cried like a baby and with my dad, you know, and just trying to figure it out. Like, I can't believe this is happening. You know, this change a lot. A lot of change took place because of that. You know, in our lives, the stuff that we we'd grown accustomed to is everything changed, man. Like that's, um, that, yeah, that was that was hard. And so I was emotional. But here's the other thing, I knew, I I knew this would end in healing. Like that that was the word God gave me. This ends in healing, and that was straight from God's word. Mm. Like I I read it in the story where there the, the, there was a dead little girl and. And, and, and basically, Jesus said, "This is going to end in healing," and I just took that as my own, and I said, "I said it, I proclaimed it everywhere I went, told everybody, no, I was going to end in healing. It's going to end in healing." And how, how was that going to look? Well, yeah, there was surgery required, there was chemotherapy, it was hard. Like it was a year of of, of tough stuff. Like, but in the end, I mean, look at my wife today. I mean, full head of hair. You know, a lot of the a lot of the little things that were plaguing her gone, totally clear, clean cancer-free and we believe that's going to be the that's how the rest of her life is going to be and we just proclaim that that's the truth of god's word that's the thing about god god's word man like isaiah 55 11 god's word never returns void it always accomplishes that for which it was sent and i just grabbed a hold of the truths of god's word and just said that's mine i'm I'm gonna own that and that's how i fought we didn't do anything other than that i couldn't do anything there was a lot of times I would sit there and Carrie didn't want to hear me talk. Like she was, it was, it was a tough man. So I just sat there. I didn't know what else to do. Like I'll, I'll just be here then. And, um, but man, you look at it you know, a year later and yeah, a lot, a lot of, a lot of things in our life changed as a result of that. There was a lot of things that we took for granted. We didn't recognize and we had to relearn things, all that. But I'm so grateful that God allowed us to go through that. I think it. I think it really helped us in the eyes of people because we we, we served God through the whole thing. We didn't miss church. We I preached straight through the whole thing. And Carrie was there, and she'd get up on stage with that bald head, and she she and just just let it go. It was amazing. It really was a really fruitful time for us. I think. What do you tell people that now since you went through that? What what do you, what do you? You, you mentioned right now you, you live and you, you live with a little bit more thankfulness. You live with a little bit more like gratefulness of, hey, we got another day. Like this is, what do you, what's your advice for people out there that, you know, it's just like they're making big, you know, 
big things out of little things, you know, they're not enjoying life. They're not enjoying like, it's not that bad. You know, uh, I, I read something today on, I posted it and it was just about how we, the reality of, of we, we, we have our, our uh, image that we want to live up to on from social media. We have everybody else's image that we want to, that we think we should be living. And then there's reality and, yeah. and we're so caught up in the image of, in, you know, social media, the image that everybody else looks like they're living and then trying to live with our, which we all know is our reality. And we're missing that part of, Hey, living in the now living in reality and enjoying the struggle or enjoying the, you know, the, the, the smaller things in life instead of thinking like everybody's on vacation and everybody's eating steaks. <laughs> and those things are fun. <laughs> they're, they're great. And, right. Yeah. They're good. But it's not every day. No, it's not every day. I think, I think, I think, you know, life is a gift. Life is a gift. I think we recognize that with, with, with the, with the struggle. You, you know, I think we all recognize that we, our lives are fragile, but also the, it's the I think it's the day to day that that's the that's the stuff God uses. You know, we like to think, well, you know, stage or this, that, or the other thing. But I, when I look over the, the impact of our life, it, I don't think about those big conferences we did, and they were fun. Like those are the best pictures, right? Those are the those are the things people ask about. But the impact that that, that I look at my life now, and, and honest as I look at it, and Carrie and I, what the impact we've been able to make, you know. I, Today on social media, there's a there's a girl in our church. Her name is Jen Gutierrez, and uh, they reposted a, a little message that she spoke to the youth on Friday night. You know, I remember Johnny, is her husband, Jen, were in our youth group, broken up, man, broken up kids, just messed up, like hurting, and we love them. Carrie and I went out with them on their first date. <laughs> we made it Cheesecake Factory. They got, they ended up getting married. Got two beautiful girls. A great home. Yeah, the, the best cooks. Yeah. You get invited to their house. It's just hospitality and just love in their house. I mean, it. they're amazing. Yeah. So for me, yeah, all the stuff, all the highlight stuff that people, when they associate, when they think of Adam Friedrich, they think about Elevate Conference, you know, that, that's that's kind of like my, maybe my identity kind of. But but when I think about the impact of my life, it's it's in stories like that, that, that we played a small role, you know, we just... And uh, so, so that's the kind of stuff that I, I live for now. I live for seeing, I, I, lo- I love seeing my kids living for God and, and working out their destiny. And who knows what God has in store for them. I, I, I see all the, the people that we've invested in over the years. And I go, man, God, like, look at this. They're, they're married. They've got kids. They're, 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 they're leading lives, buying houses. Like, whoa, this is amazing. And so, yeah. But that happened not on a, at a conference. That happened over dinner that day ha- to day that, that happened you know picking them up in my in my little toyota pickup truck with 22 other kids that's when that happened and it's been a joy that, that that's been a joy the small things yeah man the small things that matter the most absolutely it's a journey man it is a journey the journey is the destination right who, who, yes who would have ever thought i'd be at elevate I know. i'm there it's now it's, it's 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 great lastly i want to ask you this like I said earlier, I, I, I look at you as a man's man, a guy that made his bones. Not tooting your horn or anything like that, but I know you don't toot it, so I'll toot it a little bit. But I look at that stuff, and I and I look what you've made and how you made your life and what you've done. And I know it's a lot foundation of Christ, of course. But what's your advice to the young 
men of this generation. I ask this to a lot of guys that come in here, and I, I because I, a lot of men are lost. They don't have no direction. They don't have, you know, maybe it's because they don't have fathers. Maybe because they're not driven. Whatever it may be. But what is your advice to those guys out there? Well, I mean, if you, if you're talking, I think the key to anything in your success in life, first of all, is a relationship with God, and and you've got to develop that for yourself. No one's going to do that for you. All right, you can go to church all you want, but you still you you have to develop your relationship with God. So for me, the, that's the foundation. Okay, that so I'm, I'm I can't I can't. You know, not say that, but but I would say consistency, discipline, these words that that maybe aren't really that popular anymore, but it's the, it's the it's it's doing, it's taking one step every day. It's amazing how far you get. It's 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 you know, being disciplined in every part of your life, whether it be physically, whether it be in in you know the, the things that you do and watch and how you talk and disciplining yourself to a certain standard and maintaining that over a long period of time. I feel like that is what's helped me so much. It, it, and it works that way in every area of your life. You could talk about finances. If you're consistent in your finances and, and setting a little bit aside, it doesn't have to be a lot, but, but just setting a little bit at a side, you'll be, a, you'll be amazed how, how, far, how far you can get. I hear so many people, I'll never be able to do, this I'll never be able to buy a house. I, I I got so tired of hearing that. Oh, I can't buy a house here in Southern California. What a lie! What a, what an absolute lie! It's it's a it's a lie. You're saying God can't do that? So you got to move to, you know, you got to. I mean, you got to move to Iowa to be able to. Come on, no. You're saying you're limiting God. No, God can do anything. But it takes you have to be involved in the equation, and and so I think the consistency every day. It plays a big role. In, in whether or not you're going to be successful in your marriage, in your finances, in, in, your, in your career, whatever it may be, in your calling, whatever it may be. It's the consistency. Because, you know, it's hard. It, it, it's easy to quit. It's easy just to, uh, I didn't work. But one of the things I'm, I, I, I just set my mind, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to get everything I got every single day. And, and when it's all said and done, let the chips fall where they may. And so far, it's been, it's been a, awesome. Been, I have no, I don't have any regrets. It's been fantastic. I love that, man. I, I always say that nobody likes an inconsistent anything, right? <laughs> right? It's inconsistent at the gym, inconsistent with the Lord, inconsistency with your wife, with your kids. It, it, it's the consistency that matters the most. Like showing up every day. Yep, that's the hardest part, but it's also the most rewarding part. You know what comes next, right? I've been. This is the part that's been the, scaring me the most. You know, can't. Well, it's time, right? It's about that time for you know. What do we call this? Furious Five. This is uh, Dave One. This is the Street Gospel Furious Five. Pastor Adam Friedrich from Elevate Ministries. I got to pull it up on my phone. Let's see what we got here. First question. If you were a professional athlete, what sport and what position would you play? I mean, I I gotta I gotta say, and it's not because I love watching football. Football my favorite sport to watch. I love the strategy of baseball. But what what grabbed me as a young person 
was number 23, the Chicago Bulls, Michael Jordan. Watching him play, I, I think just like everybody wanted to be like Mike, including this sure. white boy from Buena Park, California. So yeah, I would, I, I would want to be a shooting guard, and I worked hard at it. I never played basketball in high school, but I was on the baseball team. And we challenged our varsity basketball team to a, to a game. And it was like something out of a movie. On a Friday night, somebody got the key to the gym. Everybody <laughs> and all their friends showed up. People wore brown bags all, all in the stands. And wouldn't you know, our baseball team, led by Alfredo Garcia, he was like a 6'5 pitcher. No one knew he knew how to play basketball, but he slam dunked like five <laughs> times in that game. And I hit it several threes. And uh, yeah, we, we, won, we won that game. I remember playing with you. I don't, yeah, good. But you got banged on by somebody famous when you were younger. Yeah, I did. Well, you share that guy. Okay. Well, I was. I was. We, were, we we had pickup basketball at Artesia in Artesia Artesia Park, and I was there with a bunch of guys from my high school, and we were running the court for a little while. And uh, all of a sudden, these guys showed up, and uh, I had no idea who it was. Okay. Now we all knew it. UCLA was really good at the time, and their leader on the team was a guy named Ed O'Bannon. Well, who showed up at the park that day was his little brother, Charles O'Bannon. And uh, I had no idea, but I ended up having to stick this guy. And uh, I, there was no, <laughs> was no match, man. All I knew, I didn't even know what happened. All I knew is that his shorts were in my face <laughs> as he's hanging from the rim. That's the truth. <laughs> I got a Charles O'Bannon jersey in my closet right now, man. Number 13. Yep. 1995, UCLA. I mean, I just gave it away. I'm, I'm a big UCLA fan, so I had to throw that in there. Question number three on the Street Gospel Podcast, Furious 5. One hobby you do that nobody knows, or pastime, that you kind of keep under wraps. Oh, man. I like, I mean, I... People know about it though. I mean, I, I I've restored a few cars. Like I I really got into Volkswagens for a while. So I, remember. I had a um, I had a Carmen Gia. It was my first one. I got it for five hundred bucks and uh, fixed it up. Did the upholstery. Ended up ended up. I was at a I was at a gas station. I remember I paid five hundred bucks. I was a young kid. I was like twenty two years old. Somebody at the gas station offered me five thousand dollars for it. I was dumb. I didn't know what it was worth. And so I said, right now. And so we, I was right around the corner from my house. I went to my house, got the pink slip, signed it over. He went to the bank, gave me $5,000. I was like, man, this is amazing. <laughs> so then I bought a uh, 1965 Volkswagen Fastback junk. Like terrible, like awful. And then I restored that. And, and you can't buy parts of that. So I had to go to junkyards. And it took me about two years. But I revived that thing. I ended up selling it to, uh, remember Blue's Clues? Yes. The guy on Blue's Clues, that guy bought wow. my, yeah, he bought it. Matter of fact, he just sold his house and my car is in the ad still, the little blue car. I asked him, I say, so did you buy the car? Because it was, it was bright blue, just like, just like blue in the show. Did you buy my, did you buy the Fastback because uh, it's blue, like Blue's Clues? He goes, no. He goes, I bought it to pick up chicks. That's kind of weird when your kids <laughs> watch the show. And then I did a peach bug, a 1964 peach bug. And right now I have a, I have a 80, 85 Jeep. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I do that. Cam's big Jeep lover over there. There you go. All right. Not bad. Okay. You do all the work yourself. Well, I mean, some I, what I can do. Yeah. yeah. Certain things I can't do. Yeah. I, I. But I design it myself. Yeah. Nice. All right. Okay. I, I did you know that? I remember the bug. Okay. I didn't know the other cars, so I thought the bug was like a a one off. You know. Um, 
midlife crisis kind of thing. Yeah, that, car, that car's in Japan right there. Nice. I, I made some money on that car. Question number four. Okay. You travel all over the world. Do you speak any other languages other than English? Do not. What? I if, know. If you could, which one would it be? It would have to be Spanish because it, it, it's so useful here in Southern California. And I, I regret it because I did three years of Spanish. We're, we're, I got straight A's in Spanish, man. But I don't remember any of it. We're going to take an offering. We're going to get you the Rosetta Stone. Wait, wait. Do you speak Spanish? No, I don't. Okay, <laughs> you, you can't do nothing to me. I can, I can order in Spanish, though. <laughs> so can I? It's not steak. It's carne asada, man. <laughs> if, anybody should be, if anybody should be speaking Spanish, it's you. Why, man? You're Hispanic. You're racist. I'm dude. white. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, you're the one that travels all over the no. world. You should be able to speak one of these languages by now. Going on all these mission trips. I mean, you no, would think. No, it's all never right. happened. Sorry. Okay. Did I disappoint you? I think you did. No. I, I was hoping you were like, yeah, I know a little bit. I mean, I thought you were like, no. like the Kobe type. You mm-hmm. know, you're picking up all these languages and able to learn them. All right. Not bad. Last one. If you could put up one prayer for the church and have it answered, the church body overall, mm. what would it be? Unity. Mm. Unity. 100%. Because with, with unity, you can do anything. Nothing, Nothing's restrained when there's unity. And and uh, that's why the devil fights so hard to, to, to create all kinds of division, you know? And he's good at it. He's good at it. And we fall prey to it all the time. Even in our own local churches, the people that we love, we end up we end up end up getting getting bent out of shape and frustrated and you know, all that. So, yeah, I would pray for unity. I pray for that every day. Awesome. Yeah. See, it wasn't bad. Uh, I wanted to talk about the time I got arrested, but it didn't make it to the podcast. Next time. Okay, let me no, ask no, you. No, the, I can't the, do it. Wait, wait, hold <laughs> it's on. Too late, man. You didn't, <laughs> it is too late. But this is the thing: people come on the podcast, right, mm-hmm. and they think they have to have this. Your wife posted something like this the other day where people think they have to have this dramatic, uh, over-the-top testimony. In, in general, people think that, right? They need to have this this hardcore story. I was Adam, and I was the son of a pastor, and I was on meth in Anaheim stealing hubcaps. You know what I mean? It, it, what is – I forgot to ask you this. I know I was going with that was somewhere earlier. But what is the power of a testimony of a kid like yourself or like myself that – not perfect, but I'm saying we we we, we tr- constantly were striving to to stay on the straight and narrow and serve God because that's never that's never highlighted, and and, and I want to make sure that there's an importancey behind that too. Yeah. There's a, there's a blessing. There's things that come with doing the right thing. Now, I'm so grateful that I don't have the pain of some of, some of the stories that I hear. What I hear is a lot of pain, a lot of heartache, a lot of shame, a lot of guilt, and I don't live with a lot of that. I don't live with the scars of. You know relationships like that were messed up. I don't live with, with with side effects of a drug that I took. I don't. I don't have to. I don't have to deal with any of that. So, so yeah. That I, I think there's there's value to that too. And and when you live for God for a long period of time, there's a lot of fruit. And and so I get I can boast that that as a young kid, I lived for God all through high school. And and there's fruit that started back then, and it's just piling up. You know, seeds planted all these years and. Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen with all that? All right. So I, 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 I think that was important. That was the first time I ever asked the question after the Furious Five. Man, it's always a first, man. Appreciate you coming out. My pleasure. Thank you. Anything you want to shout out? I'm going to shout out Elevate Ministries, all the wonderful people there, including yourself, Dave.
that make up this amazing church. And if you're listening on the podcast, you're more than welcome to come and join our community. Yes. We'll welcome you in. You'll, you'll, you'll be right at home no matter who you are. Right. All, all There's all kinds of different people there. Yeah, it's great. We have people from the mafia, ex-mafia yeah, members. Man. We have like surfers, drug addicts, clean-cut people, broken people, healed people. It's, just, it's, it's a great mix of people with one vision. Amen. Right on. Thanks for coming out. For sure. Love you, man. Love you too.